This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's another week of fun and excitement here, and Gardner Goldsmith is with us tonight. Hey, Gard. Hi. How you doing, my friend? Excellent. Mark, of course, uh, here, too, and we're here to take your phone calls about anything, as we always are. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Let's start right in with the phone calls. Uh, Donnie's on the line in Michigan to get things started here tonight. Donnie, you're on Free Talk Live with the Guard and Mark. Good evening. How you doing? Super. What's on your mind tonight, Donnie? I called in to tell you that uh, I once thought, as you do, uh, back when I was in high school in the 80s. Once thought, as I do. About liberty and stuff like that. Like that you wanted liberty? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think it was about the time I got my first job and found out what income tax was. I bet. Um, I used to talk about how the government was ruining our lives and yeah. and uh, we'd be better off without it. And everybody said I was an anarchist and that I was crazy. Wow. Hmm. Okay. And my, my parents put me into therapy and I told the therapist, I'm not crazy. Everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Very like good. a, Sounds a like song Black from the flag. 80s. I, I mean, uh, yeah, suicidal tendencies. Yeah. And he said I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. But you but, say uh, you used so, to think this way. What's that? You say you used to think this way. Well, I had at that time, yeah, and I was sort of forced to abandon those ideas, at least out loud. So when when, uh, the, when you say you were forced to, I mean, would they have kept you in a uh, crazy house or something like that if you hadn't? No, I don't think so. I just couldn't find anybody to agree with me. I see. This must be frustrating. It was very frustrating, yes. Well, welcome back to the loony bin, my friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I would like to point out that I had several friends go to the uh, the sort of the loony bin thing um, when they were uh, in, in the 80s and, and when I was in high school. And a lot of them, the parents would sort of, you know, they'd find out they were using drugs like marijuana and perhaps some even, even uh, more, and they'd put them in these... Um, you know, these sort of uh, schools for <laughs> these, uh, what are they, detention-type schools, and, and uh, their insurance would pay for them. And the parents could say anything they want. It's not like there's any sort of uh, probable cause or n- nothing happens there. You just go to jail, um, the, the, the equivalent of a relatively nice jail. Um, and it's because your parents said so. So there's, you know, like they could have sent you away for anything if they wanted to. Well, back in April... Uh Actually, the day that Sam was arrested, mm. I was uh, having a discussion with a friend of mine about uh, the tea parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he said it was just, uh, you know, a rally for right-wing conservatives. And I had to admit I was listening to a conservative talk show at that time. So I uh, put into the search engine libertarian talk show, awesome. and that's how I found Free Talk Live. And I was instantly hooked. I listened to, like, all the archives, and I've been listening every day since. Well, wow. well, uh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad this call has gone in this direction because at first, the first way you open the call is like, I used to think like you, and it's so hard to believe that somebody could. And, and it's not obviously you're not saying this, but uh, what went through my mind immediately was, well, how could you not ever think like this again? How I mean, did you once change you, your mind, right, once you reach that conclusion, right? Once your paradigm is expanded to uh, to understanding liberty, how you could close yourself off again and embrace statism would be bewildering to me. The only person we've ever talked to that claims that is Jack Thompson, the uh, the anti-video game violence uh, attorney from Florida, and I think he didn't really understand liberty in the first place. He found Jesus, though. I mean, 
So oh, yeah, right? it's a, it's another belief <laughs> and it's another belief system that has sort of uh, you know zealot adher- zealous adherence to it. And um, so he decided that it was more that, uh, that 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 kids not finding out about violence was more important than uh, people being free to do, choose what they want to do. So Donnie, uh, so I mean, you're basically kind of telling us your personal liberty story and how you felt very alone uh, back when you were younger. Have you found anybody else in your area there in uh, Michigan that that agree with you now that you're older? No, not really. Uh, when the topic of uh, state health care comes up, I always say that I don't trust anything the government does. And everybody always says, well, that's true, but that's as far <laughs> but, as it goes. But we still <laughs> yes. need them. Yes. We still need them there for is this, something. Yeah. There's a strange bipolar condition in so many people. It's Isn't it bizarre? You sit there and you, you can rattle off things and they agree with you. Absolutely. But... But I think in this case we need it because this or that, it's just incredible. You can you can never – Well, when I well, hire the bureaucrats, they'll all be efficient. No, the reason yes. that they believe it is because they know it's not their money going f- towards it, at least not enough of their money for, to, for it to really count because most people you know, don't make that much, don't get taxed that much. They know that it's people far wealthier than they that That's will have true. to pay for it. So essentially what they're saying is, well, yes, it's inefficient, but since the money's stolen and I advocate the stealing of it. I remember. Uh, you know, if you read De Tocqueville's uh, Democracy in America, and I think many of us who start off, you know, investigating government, look into some of these these now ancient texts, and uh, you, you know that De Tocqueville uh, came over from France to actually study the United States penal system, and he was so impressed by the social networks that they had created without government uh, to help each other as neighbors, without having the government take money from people, that he actually changed his approach and wrote this whole book called Democracy in America. I I wish he had called it non-government in America, society in America, rather than democracy in America. But he warned that uh, once the mass of the populace reaches a point where they know that they can bleed off of the productive, that's going to be the end. And we have reached that point. If you look at, as Mark said, if you look at the National Taxpayer Union's website at NTU.org, you can see who pays the taxes. And it ain't the people who are getting the bulk of the social welfare programs. It's the bottom 90%. Yep. <laughs> So or the top nine, the top ten percent, yeah, yes, top ten. So Donnie, besides, uh, besides your appreciation for finding Free Talk Live, which I'm, I'm glad you did, and, and welcome aboard, glad to hear from you. Uh, how, how was it exciting for you to hear the idea of the Free State Project as somebody who kind of came into Free Talk Live from the position you came into? Did that immediately uh, ring your bell, or was it questionable? I mean, how, what was your response when you first heard the idea of liberty-oriented people like you moving together to the same place? Well, I, I, it sounded like a good idea. Um, I don't know. New Hampshire, I always thought if I moved out of Michigan that I'd move someplace warmer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, It might be warmer in New yeah, Hampshire. I don't know. A day, just, choose, no. much. Mm-hmm. just choose a day when you know it's going to be warmer in New Hampshire, and then you fulfilled your prophecy. <laughs> I, I do like the idea, and uh, I, I'm, I'm in school now, and I'll be done in about a year. So, What, is, what we'll are you see. studying? Uh, web design. Oh, great, man. You can do that anywhere. Great. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So anything else you want to share tonight, Donnie? No, just that I'm, I'm glad that there are other people that think the way I do, and I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. There's not at There all. are other voices in the wilderness, and we don't have to shout. We actually have Free Talk Live, thanks to Ian and Mark. Yeah, it wouldn't work if we awesome. were shouting. No one will no really way. want to listen. Thanks, Donnie, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you, and hope to see you up here in New Hampshire someday as part of the Free State Project, because, yeah, it's great to know that there are other people out there that think like you. I and mean, that's one of the things that Free Talk Live is good at. I mean, if you're you know, you're just getting into your car, you flip on the radio in whatever city that you're in, and you come across Free Talk Live, as many people do, 
and you were like Donnie, and you're, you've spent your whole life wondering, why am I the only one? Why am I the only one who believes people should be free? Or, you know, why am I the only one of three? Because in any <laughs> given area, there aren't very, it doesn't feel like there are very many. Maybe there are more than we understand, maybe more than we believe, because, well, people tend to keep it quiet. Like Donnie, he learned real quick when he was young that, well, you don't talk about these things because people will think you're crazy. And so he kept it to himself. Then uh, what is it like for somebody that tunes into this program and hears their belief system or something very close to it being echoed on the radio? I mean, they, they've gone their whole lives just trying their best to find a handful of people that can understand what they believe, and here it is on the radio. Now, if you think that's cool, then imagine what it's like when you actually get in physical, close physical proximity to these other people. Yeah. It's a whole other world. And, you know, that's one of the things I'd like to compliment both of you guys on uh, to leave a preposition dangling, because if somebody tunes in at a radio station in their local area... You know, uh, they might hear the show. You guys specify the area from which you originate. You talk about this area. You talk about the people coming here. I think that gives any new listeners out there a very keen perspective on, you know what, these, this isn't just a group of guys who are down in New York City or outside of Washington, D.C., or at some place they're not going to discuss uh, Florida, the Midwest, whatever. You guys specify, we are in New Hampshire right now. There are people here working their hardest to try to expand the purview of freedom. And to it's some great. extent, Guard, that's to our detriment, uh, to, to, to a small extent, because, yeah, true. because there could be a program director out there who hears us talking about things happening in New Hampshire or happening in Keene, which are unprecedented. That's the reason why... That's talk about them yeah uh i mean i have my reasons for it but that could turn them off they could say oh you you know you sound too local you're just not going to play over here in san diego 800-259-9231 luckily we have 61 radio stations that have disagreed with that mindset more coming up this is free talk live have you been thinking about starting a website i'm going to tell you about a great offer from hostgator HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And by the way, uh, Guard, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Free Talk Live has launched a brand spanking new website. Site. The new uh, FTL 2.0. We're still ironing out some bugs, so do be patient with us. If you find something wrong, take a moment, head over to bugs.freetalklive.com and make a post and let us know what the hell's wrong so we can get it straight. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy because it's a much more interactive, much more community-based website, and I really like it. freetalklive.com. We continue here, and uh, we'll take your phone calls about whatever. Let's start things out with Shane in, uh, looks like, Louisiana. Shane, you're on Free Talk Live. Shane? Yes, hello. You're on the air. Hey, uh, yeah, I just want to thank God for writing Live Free or Die. Oh, wow, Shane. Thank you. That Thanks a it's lot. It's actually James. 
Oh, James. Okay, thank you, James. That's really great. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, it's It was something I knew I wanted to get done, especially uh, some of the things my father had to say. Uh, my brother and I had always said we would get that stuff published. So thank you for your compliments. I appreciate it. People can get that book, by the way, over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And it's a big book. Right. You're going to get your money's worth. <laughs> Yeah, it is big. Oh, and yeah. uh, James, there was just uh, I was just mentioning I was recording uh, one of my uh, productions before I came over here, a couple issues that I was looking at. And I mentioned the book a couple times in it, uh, the immigration issue in particular, free markets uh, versus the state controlling who can cross borders and things. And um, I, I was interested because we're thinking about turning it into an ebook, like a Kindle thing. Do you think that would be a good idea? Oh, yeah, I think so. Definitely. And, um, you know, just. Uh, well, I think I think the ebook would be a good idea, and also I was going to ask you: Are you planning on like writing a second edition to it? That is a very good idea. Uh, I don't know. I've been so busy recording things, and I've been working a lot more on fiction. I finished a novella this summer, and have about two or three short stories that I'm working on, and those things. I'm going to package in with one uh, theme of a story that ties them all together. It take, it's taking a lot of time. I don't know. I have a couple more articles that I've written, but I I don't know whether I'd I'd uh, it would it might be it might be at least a year before I update it. Did you self publish? Yes, yes, did that through Amazon actually. No kidding, they yeah. offer their own publishing Amazon service. Amazon has their own publishing uh, publishing branch, which is pretty pretty awesome. Now, t- now tough question. I'm just going to ask it right here on the air. Yeah. Has it been profitable? Have you actually yes. made your money back? Oh yeah. And yeah. more, you've you've made a profit on yes, it. Yes, made great. a very good profit on it. Yes, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it was it was yep. excellent. Yes, and because so of guys it can like be James. done. So self publishing and uh, profiting can uh, is very well possible. Yeah, you know, Ian, it's it's interesting. And James, uh, stick on the line too, because I don't want to monopolize. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting, James, is um, we have been talking here about the pro freedom circles and whether or not. They're growing enough, and we communicate enough through Free Talk Live, my website, other people, uh, Glenn Jacobs, uh, uh, folks at Freekeen.com, all the, all the different sites that are out there. If we formed uh, a basis enough to support ourselves on various projects, and I think it's almost at that point. Like, for example, a book like mine, the Freedom People have picked it up, and they bought Live Free or Die, and I made a profit off it. Do you think that we're at that point where, let's say, people can put out DVDs and try to sell them and – and do well. Oh, I think so, definitely. I mean, you you actually probably get you, you know, uh, a lot of more people uh, to you know get the ideas of, of freedom. Well, it's an it's an expen- Hopefully, it'll be exponential at some point. The growth is going to be continuous. And James, thanks so much for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing yeah. from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's just like we were saying in the first segment of the show. Once your mind has wrapped itself around a new idea, especially one as powerful and as wonderful as the idea of freedom, then there's no, there's really no going back. So, uh, and now, plus, once you've got, you've got the internet now on your side, and the, this ability to just feed, vor- voraciously feed yourself with all kinds of liberty-oriented content, whether it's Free Talk Live or Gardner's uh, Liberty Conspiracy, hopefully both, libertyconspiracy.com is Gardner's website, by the way. But all these various different uh, options are out there now, which never existed. Most of them never existed you know, a decade ago. Yeah. And uh, so it's easy to get their hands on the information, which means 
means that once they expand their mind, it's more likely they're going to encounter the information, number one, because all it takes is for somebody to post on their Facebook, hey, I found this cool new radio show. Bam, you've got five new listeners, maybe 50 new listeners. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, they go and they find more and they learn more and uh, they tell their friends and they tell their friends. I mean, it's and so, it, on, and so, and so on. on and so yeah. forth. And the Internet makes facilitating that communication much easier now. So that's why you're starting to see stories like one I had in show prep tonight here, and I'm, maybe we'll have time to get to it. The phones are pretty loaded up here, but just the headline, Ron Paul's ideas no longer fringe. Yeah. That's the L.A. Times. L.A. Times. Awesome. So yeah, clearly things are, are going in the right direction. Is it exponential yet? No. Not really, but, you know, we've, we've sure as hell got a hell of a lot more people uh, out there that are espousing the ideas of liberty louder and prouder, I guess, than ever before. You know, i got to tell you guys, uh, with, with the connections that I've made through you and uh, through my own friends and so on, I don't have enough days of the week to be able to get to producing my audios to be able to bring in all the people that I hope to bring in. You know, there's breaking stories. you got to cover those, and then you have different people. We have people over, you know, Wayne Simmons over in Ireland with his book, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Great book. He was advertising with you guys for mm-hmm. a while. And uh, he emails me that he, he says he likes my show. I don't – I'm like, who is this guy? And then I go upstairs. I'm like, oh, yeah, I bought this guy's book two <laughs> weeks ago. It is unbelievable. What's going yeah. on? you got Ernie, er, Ernie Hancock down in Arizona. You've got uh, so many good people. I think it really is key, and I think a great locus is, is here with you guys here in Keene and Free Talk Live. Let's continue with the calls. Uh, we got Dino in Japan, speaking of worldwide right. movements. Dino, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. What's uh, your mind? Yeah, I, I would uh, – I got – couple of things, but first I would just want to add on to uh, what you were t- saying about um, this growing. Oh, it's definitely growing, and as, as things get worse, I think it's going to grow even more, of course. Yeah. and they're bound to get worse. I mean, um, as long as uh, they keep creating this uh, fiat money and pulling uh, money out of nowhere, I think people will start catching on to it. You can it, guarantee uh, it's going to get worse. I mean, that's just the direction it's always gone in, plus they're not going to just let their power go. I mean, they're going to take it to the bitter end. Yeah. That's right. And uh, one other thing, I, uh, my question, uh, the reason for calling is, I just wanted to know uh, what made you come up with the number twenty thousand. You, you wanted to? Wasn't me. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> coming to New Hampshire, but I, I just was always interested in why yeah. twenty thousand. Why not? I can, I can explain that. Uh, well, I mean, sure. first of all, it wasn't us. We didn't come up with it. It was Jason Sorens. He's the guy that uh, came up with a concept for the Free State Project. And he's this academic guy who uh, I guess he teaches at a college somewhere. And uh, so he'd done some research into movements that were not necessarily secessionist-based, but movements that involved people of a certain mindset going somewhere. So people in uh, Quebec, uh, people in... Uh, the people that moved City. to yeah it, Utah, the people that moved to Vermont. So there have been these these migrations that are, that have yeah. been somewhat idealistic. Uh, it was idealistic. about human migration. That was what it was about. Right. So what he figured was that based on the population of uh, a given state, and there were ten states to to start with, uh, with the, at the beginning of the Free State Project. That ranged in population. So he just kind of had to pick a number as far as what would be effective in a state of about a million or so people. And I can continue this explanation here because it deserves a little bit more. So if you want to hang on, Dino, we'll bring it back. Uh, But a little bit about the origins of the Free State Project and what that 20,000 number is all about. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And the features on the site, they are completely free. Those features including our chat room. You can go and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners at chat.freetalklive.com. They're in there. Best time is, of course, during this radio program. Uh, and afterwards, sometimes they hang out in there for a couple hours after the show. Chat.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is also brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. It's here in New Hampshire with us and hundreds and thousands of uh, soon, thousands, hundreds now, thousands soon, of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. And we actually just wrapped the last segment up, and Dino dropped off the line, but he called in from Japan. He's a Free State Project participant. He's planning a move to New Hampshire. And he was just wondering, where did the 20,000 number come from? Because the uh, projected or the, uh, the, uh, the concept of the Free State Project was launched where they said, okay, we're going to get 20,000 people to move to the same geographic location new right. hampshire was chosen and they're going to get active for liberty and we're going to have a darn good shot at liberty in our lifetime in fact i think it's the best shot that's yeah. why i joined that's why i made the move and uh, it's meeting up with great new hampshire natives like you gardner that made me uh, realize that was absolutely absolutely the right thing to do let alone the all the other people that are still coming here yeah, yeah, uh, to lots. get active so it's very exciting but where did the number come from was it completely arbitrary i don't really know exactly how it was calculated i didn't decide that i just joined in in 2003, and the the Free State Project had already been going for a couple of years at that point. Sounded good enough to me, 20,000. Yeah, but yeah. Jason Sorens, the uh, the academic that came up with all of this, has studied migrations uh, in, of people for idealistic reasons in the past, and he figured that in a state with a population of no more than 1.5 million, that was one of the major qualification, one of the major factors that decided which of the 10 states the options would be. So there were states in there like Alaska and Delaware and Maine and, yes. and a variety of other states. Ten of the, uh, the the 11 least populated states were included in this. Yes. Right, because you need to be able to try to sway things if you've right. got your group coming in. Sure. If you, right. all, move to, ratio. Uh, if you all move to New York State and, um, or something like that, you're not going to have any effect because there's so many people there. And uh, but by the way, um, the, the government in Rhode Island is considered to be, by Jason Sorens, so corrupt, and I agree with him, that they actually excluded it from the, <laughs> from the uh, options. From the options. <laughs> so if you're living in Rhode Island, what do you think They've got the slave state project in Rhode Island. <laughs> right, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there, as far as population, there are in in the state of New Hampshire probably as many people as uh, maybe fewer uh, than the Tampa Bay area in Florida. I mean, so we've there are not a lot of people up here. 1.5 million, I think, is about where we're at. I think it was 1.4 a little while back, and it's grown a bit since yeah. then. But uh, but basically, he figured, okay, well, presuming that uh, we're in a state of 1.5 million people, how many people would it take? How many activists would it take to uh, to make a change, to sway things in the direction of liberty? And he figured it would be 20,000 based on whatever calculations it, it took for him to do that. But one of the things he was calculating or counting on was that the 20,000 activists would really just kind of be – not that active. They would be voting. They'd be, you know, writing a letter to the editor and and just doing kind of the typical political style right. activism. Sort of somewhat 
active political activist types like the, the like the kind that are in your average uh, Democratic Party or Republican Party local local committee kind of thing. Yeah, uh, if that he did not that. envision uh, what it has become. He really didn't. And in fact, he revised his numbers. He did later on. He gave a speech. I think it was at the Liberty Forum or something like that or the Pork Fest, one of the the yearly events that the Free State Project puts on. Where he and he spoke about uh, how he didn't realize that this movement. This idea was going to attract super activists. Now, to be fair, all of the people that have moved here, I don't know if they're all super activists, but I know that the ones that I know are pretty darn super. The uh, the ones that are the most visible are just outstanding. And sure. I think that that that's he he miss uh, you know he underestimated what would happen as a result of this concept getting out. And the reason why you why the people that are coming to New Hampshire are super activists. And by the way, he said if we had two thousand people that are as active as the people that are here are active now, that would be more than enough. I absolutely agree with that number. As a matter of fact, I would you know I would trade uh, of the the top twenty super activists out there. I'm not going to name names because. Um, you know, I'd, I'd absolutely leave some people out. But you know, if I'm going to name some people like uh, Ian and Dennis Goddard and Chris Lawless and and people like that, if we got a few dozen more people like those versus the the tens of thousands that we're hoping to attract and, and they're on their way, have signed up, have said that they're coming and, and many of them and they're trickling in all the time. It, 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 it's absolutely a game changer. So the answer to Dino's question is uh, there's some reasoning behind the 20,000, but the reasoning turned out to be wrong. So the number that would actually make more sense is a lower number. And we're much e- I mean, we're going to reach that, I, I would say, within a few years here. We'll probably have 2,000 people because there are a lot of folks that are saying, I'm coming in 2011. I'm coming in 2012. You know, they got to wrap up, tie up their loose ends. A lot of people are still in college. So they got mm-hmm. a year or two or three left of uh, college before they get up here. So we're going to see some really great growth here in New Hampshire. I think all you have to do is look at some of the things that have happened, some of the events that are put on with the Free State Project's involvement, uh, things like the Freedom Liberty Forum uh, and and Pork Fest, and you see how they just grow. They mushroom, and it is great. More people are excited. And as things get worse, you know, we've we've had calls about this just tonight. As things get worse, I think more people are going to recognize, hey, what the, what do I have to lose? I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. I, I gain camaraderie. I gain an active movement. Whereas if I'm at my house in you know Boise, Idaho, uh, man, I'm yeah. Very where I lonely. was in where I was in Sarasota, the movement didn't extend too much beyond me in my immediate circle. Whereas yeah. here, you have to choose what you want to get involved in. There's so much to do in many cases. You, I mean, these people came out in a snowstorm this weekend to just hang out at a social event. Awesome. We had 13 people came out in the middle of a snowstorm, and the place we were going to was closed. We had to go somewhere else. <laughs> So it's just the dedication is uh, is incredible, and that's what he wasn't expecting. He wasn't expecting super activists to be coming up here. But really, when you look at it, you have to think, well, why wouldn't you expect the super activists? Because you have to be pretty outstanding uh, in order to move, in many cases, across the country, or in Dino's case, halfway across the world, uh, to to get a, to get active for freedom. I mean, you really have to be. Somebody special, I think, to uh, to make that change in your life. And I understand there are some reasons people feel like they just can't come. You know, their family uh, doesn't want to go, or uh, you know, they've got a really important job. Whatever your reason is, that's fine. You know, please do what is right for you. But if what's right for you is to bring your family to a place where they can have a future of li- uh, that involves liberty, then this is the place for that. And if what's right for you is to get a uh, you know to get a job in a place where the you know the taxes are some of the lowest in the entire country. 
if not the lowest, uh, then that might be a, a reason to make the to make the move. But for me, the number one reason to be here is to be around like-minded, liberty-oriented people. And even the native population is very liberty-oriented. After all, this is the live free or die state. So I hope that has answered a, a very extended answer of of Dino's question. So come on up. Go to freestateproject.org, learn more about it, and you'll learn about the Liberty Forum, which is coming up here in March. And Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live. There are all kinds of great uh, personalities that are going to be there, names you might be familiar with. Judge Andrew Napolitano will be giving one of the keynote addresses, and there's still a couple keynoters that are yet to be announced. I know that I mean there have been some big names over the years there. John Stossel's been there in the past, and it's been fantastic. Glenn Jacobs Amazing. from the WWE has been there a couple of years. I don't think he's going to make it this year, but man, this the, is a great list, place to come. The to. list is forming up, and um, it, it you know they it's always amazing to me. You know the big headliners are great to see and everything, but how much I learn from the people that are speaking that I didn't really even necessarily know or um, wasn't you know that wasn't the reason that I would have shown up or anything like that. The headliners are great, and they certainly draw people in, and, and um, Judge Napolitano I'm a fan of, but you know, so the, the smaller ones are pretty neat, too. Well, for, for me, the Liberty Forum and the, uh, the Pork Fest, these are the two events they put on every year, the Free State Project here in New Hampshire, is all about the camaraderie. It's all about getting together with those hundreds of like-minded people all in the same general area, all concentrated in the case of the Liberty Forum in one hotel in Nashua, and in the case of the Pork Fest – Porcupine Freedom Festival in a campground up in the uh, the northern part, portion of the state. Uh, it's just wonderful being around people where you don't have to explain yourself as far as what liberty is and try to uh, persuade them to liberty. Uh, they already get all that, and it makes for some very interesting relationships and conversations. There's more to come here, including conversations with you if you pick up the phone and make the call about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. Plus, some good news coming up tonight about Montana. They've got some uh, some pretty cool news coming out of there. And, you know, I like to highlight good news when it, when it comes up because, boy, there sure isn't a lot of it these days as far as liberty is concerned. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. Vanguard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those. Enjoy the Facebook page, too. You can go to facebook.freetalklive.com, and you can become a fan there. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. You know, just as as an aside about social networking, I was so tempted to just delete the Free Talk Live MySpace profile, but I figured... There's no point in that. Might as well leave it there. Somebody's going to find us through that awful, awful website. But I, I even wonder how many of the friend requests that we receive on MySpace are people who are not spammers. Because mm. on almost every request, when you look at the, when I look at who's sending friend requests on the MySpace profile, there's always something attached to it, some sort of self-promotional thing attached yeah. to it that has nothing to do with the Liberty Movement. It's like I've got my own band, and uh, you know the band is really great, and blah 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 blah. Okay, great, great. And then there's all kinds of things in there. You know, I just I just click the multi-approve button and 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 hit approve. That's pretty <laughs> much all I ever do on the MySpace profile. But I guess it really wouldn't make sense to delete it. It's just. Ugh. Who uses that MySpace anymore? Yeah, I know. D- does anybody use MySpace? I, I don't want to talk bad about them, but I just I found it at one point when I did use it. It was the most cumbersome, slow, quirky, yeah. buggy very, website very. out there, and I think that the, the 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 chickens came home to roost. Yeah, Facebook um, knocked them in the dirt, and they you know that, that that's it. I just don't think that people use it. 
Uh, right. So uh, you can go to facebook.freetalklive.com, and we're going to go to your phone calls here. We've got Matt on the line in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Matt. Evening, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just wanted to tell everybody that I'm feeling better now. I was I was very I was very sick. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even know that. Um, are you all right? I mean, what what happened to you? Yes. Um. I, apparently, I fell victim to some kind of flu or something. I'm really not sure. The swine uh, flu? I in, I, maybe. Who knows? I went to my uh, son's birthday, and my grandson was sick, and they took him to the hospital. Mm. Whoa! And um, his mom doesn't have any insurance, but guess what? The hospital saw him, and they took care of him. They even hooked up an IV to his arm. Well, now, somebody would say, Matt, that that's because they were forced to by law. Well, possibly. Um, I'm sure, I'm, I'm fairly certain that a cute little kid like that going into a hospital would uh, receive care. Yeah, I think you're right. Anybody with half a heart. Um, Absolutely. And I and from the people that I've known that have been in the medical field, they uh, a lot of those folks have a lot of heart. So I think it's kind of right. silly to believe that in the absence of some government mandate that they wouldn't be helping people that uh, that needed help. That's why they have charity wings and things like that. Right. And then on the uh, on the first uh, New Year's Day, um, my son uh, and I was with him at the time collapsed Wow. and um, he got really sick. It just came on him. In, in, a, in, in an instant, and he was actually walking in to the refrigerator and walking back, and he collapsed. He just, Jeez, no fell. signs of anything prior to that. Nope. Wow. Just it, went real flush and fell. Did and you all have the same gave, thing? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. We gave him water. Um, we let him lay on the floor for a while. We didn't try to move him. We gave him some bread. He didn't have a fever or anything, and he got over it pretty quick. How about you? How long did it take you to get over it? I had it. Uh, I was uh, then later on on the first. Later on that night, I did just about the same thing. I suddenly just one second I was fine, the next second I was throwing up. Wow! And wow. I nearly collapsed. And I called my daughter. My daughter came over and took care of me, gave me some water and, and uh, some aspirin, and I slept for about a day. Hmm. And I drank lots of water and lots of tea. And I got over it. Didn't even have to see a doctor. Didn't have to worry about not having insurance. That's good. Uh, my, people, I, are, my body took care of itself. Bodies are pretty good like that. Uh, human beings pretty resilient. And I'm glad you're all right. And was there anything you wanted to share tonight besides that? Uh, no, that was about it. I just wanted to, you know, because people are so worried about not having health care. And I wanted to let people know that you can get sick. And not have to go see a doctor. Absolutely. Not have to worry about it. And and especially if you have people that can take care of you. Most people have family that can take care of you. I would like to just inject uh, here that we do have to keep in mind the idea of volunteerism on the part of private hospitals and their staffs and administrators and versus uh, coercion by the government. Uh, now you get people who go into hospitals who are either subsidized by the government through Medicare, and Medicaid, or they go and they they're not subsidized and they don't have any insurance whatsoever. And what ends up happening is 
the government forces the hospitals to give coverage to these people, either because of the system Medicare and Medicaid, and then they don't reimburse for what the doctor is worth for his services and the hospital for their services, and then we end up paying the rest of that fare because the costs have to be paid off somewhere, so they raise rates elsewhere. Or you get a situation where someone cannot pay There are still laws in place that force hospitals to have to take these people, uh, and, of course, then the costs are passed on. The difference that would come for those of us who like to keep our eye on liberty, as you do in calling us and as we do in speaking here to the audience, is that when you have a voluntary system – they, the people who are offering these opportunities to help out a child like your grandson or help out other people who might be indigent and can't take care of themselves, they regulate the numbers that they can see. They can start up opportunities for people to donate. They can make it transparent, and other people can see, okay, how much do you help them? They can make choices. Here we can't make choices, and the costs are forcibly spread onto people who have no choice whatsoever. And I, I could point out myself that my, my grandson, we probably could have paid for his his care had the had we been in a free market um, arena where where we wouldn't have had to to pay for all the. Um, the costs of regulation. That's an excellent point. You brought yeah. up something else that uh, when you have 30 third-party payers, it inspires even more usage of the system, which drives costs up. When you have a free market system, the costs of the services, the labor, uh, and the products actually starts to go down, so you can accommodate more charity cases. Plus, more uh, people can enter the marketplace on the provider side. It wouldn't be as difficult for uh, because right now you've got the doctors who basically have a monopoly over certain services, even if a nurse knows how to perform the service. She can't do it without having a doctor present, that kind of thing. There's all kinds of silly rules that really restrict the amount of people that can be providing healthcare services. And so if that amount of uh, people can open up, as it inevitably would in a free marketplace, then that would bring uh, prices down as well because it would inject some uh, much-needed competition into the, into the business. Right. For instance, there probably would have been somebody in the neighborhood who would be available to come over to the house and take care of of young children that were sick with the flu or with the cold or something uh, something along that line. I mean, all they really did for him was uh, they gave him some uh, medicine, some, um, uh, and then if if he if it had been needed, they would have given him um, an IV with fluids. That's not that difficult. No, no, these not that hard. Yeah, and there could be people that are trained in just specific things like that, where they wouldn't have to go to school for a decade uh, in order to do basic tasks. And uh, who knows how the healthcare market would look if the the free market were actually there, but it's not, and we can only fantasize about it. Matt, thanks for the call tonight. Glad to hear you're doing better, and glad to know you got better all by yourself. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Totasac.com. T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. Go and learn about the wonderful little handle. It's one of my favorite things that helps you bring the uh, groceries back in from the car in one trip. I mean, you can fit multiple grocery bags on one of these Totasac handles. They are so convenient. They're made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. And you can go to totasac.com to learn more about them. I love them. Let's continue, though, with I believe we have uh, Rich listening in Nebraska. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rich. Hey, I just wanted to make a comment. You guys were talking about New Hampshire. And yes, sir. That's where my beautiful wife is from. Oh, lovely. Hey. 
I married her and brought her to Nebraska. Oh, bring her back. <laughs> yeah, we need her back. Yeah. I was up there when I came up to get her and met my uh, mother-in-law and my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, looked around. And I said, are you sure you want to leave this and come to Nebraska? <laughs> well, Nebraska is beautiful, but it doesn't have the same political environment, that's for sure. No, and it doesn't have the mountains and the scenery. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm sure there are people out there that can... She's been here. I've heard more about New Hampshire, and we've seen one New Hampshire license plate other than the one she had. (laughs) So when are you coming back? Oh, we're going to try to come back in June. Nice. Oh, great. Like, move back permanently or just for a visit? No, just for a visit. I have my father's upholstery shop in Lincoln. Gotcha. Well, look forward to it. And uh, take a look into the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I don't know if that's in June or July next year. I'm not sure what the dates are, but you might want to go to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com, and a uh, good excuse to come on up here. Thanks for the call tonight. Hour number th- uh, two, rather, is on the way here. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight, it's Ian with you. Vanguard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us as we kick off the second hour of the program here. freetalklive.com, going right back into your phone calls. That is that is the point of the show. You can call in about anything. So let's start things with Ed in California on the amp lines. Hello, Ed. Libertatious New Year, gentlemen. <laughs> Howdy, Ed. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I was, over the weekend I was listening to one of the shows from last week where you uh, had a story about the blogger who got his laptop confiscated for a while by the TSA. Alrighty. Yeah, and yeah, I, one thing that perked my ears up was when he mentioned that he saw some kind of blinking light coming out of one of the ports. And my first thought was, if I had my laptop taken by any government agency, and they handed it back to me, I wouldn't trust it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never heard of any lights blinking out of an audio port. That's very strange. But why would they right. put a, Why would they put some sort of device in there that had a blinking light on it? And that doesn't really yeah. make sense either. Well, the blink, it wasn't so much the blinking light, but just the thought that they changed something. That blinking light was coming from somewhere. And I know you had a call, call later in the in the uh, that show that mentioned using TrueCrypt on there. And one of the problems with TrueCrypt is anytime the laptop is out of your control, you don't know if someone stuck a keylogger on there. So when you go mm-hmm. in next time to put in your password, that little hardware device is going to be reading your keys. Yeah. 
Yep, that makes and, sense. And a key logger is something that essentially will track every key input on your keyboard. So it's a nasty little uh, little program. Well, and and as a matter of fact, the the FBI was using hardware key loggers on uh, uh, computers owned by organized crime back in the '90s, and that's how they were they were getting into their machines because they were using heavy encryption then. But with that little device that they put on there, they don't even need to put any software on there. Hmm. Thanks for so, sharing that, Ed. Anything else you want to talk about uh, tonight? Absolutely. Ian, you were right about when the new decade starts, and I can tell you why. Oh, my uh, God. You're the first good. person to back Ian up on this My one. girlfriend and I were talking about this one. I'll be interested. We could go for it. I've got yeah, to hear how, well, what kind of gesticulations you must go through in order to make Ian right on this. Well, here's the first question. Why don't we have a month zero? Uh, I don't. Why, why do we have any zero? Go ahead. Well, we don't have a month zero because, well, we have 12 things there, and we don't have a day of the week zero because we have seven things there. But the problem is years. It doesn't quite mean the, the same thing. It's not really a label on the year. It's a number of years since something happened. It's a count. And it's a count yes. as, opposed, as, as opposed to a, a count of number of things. It's more of a distance, time since something happened. And when you look back at when the Gregorian calendar was made, the guy who was making it was trying to determine the pattern of the, of the appearance of Easter, what day of the year it would come on every year. And his pattern actually started before the year before the one he labeled as one, because that was the year Christ was born in this flawed reckoning. So the, the sequence of when the days came actually started with the year before 1 A.D., which basically would be year zero. So one in your eight, face! Well, wait a second. So, you're, you're telling you're you're, yeah. you're saying that you're you're making up some Gregorian monk out there somewhere. He's not making it up. He's, no, he's telling you it. history. So, Look, zero <laughs> begins when Christ with Christ. One is after Christ. Because that's because it's that's one, one year. year at, right, right. It's one year after exactly. Christ. So if this exactly. uh, this genius that came up with this calendar, why didn't he start it, uh, the, the calendar at Easter then? And why did he start it in... Hey, man, you're mocking the dead, okay? <laughs> so you... yeah, uh, I... he, he was, Who knows when they actually decided to start this? And that was like the, the, the Roman calendar started on January 1st, and they wanted to keep that all in sequence and everything. Right. So but, you're, you're uh, talking about this fictitious year zero, which is also labeled as 1 BC. So um, then is that 1 BC that's then counted at the, that point it do not exist in a decade? Because if you had to remove that 1 and then make it a 0, then there would be 2 through 10 BC prior to that. What is that, a 9 cade? No, because, you know, this 1 BC is the same as, Zero A.D. Basically, so they no, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, slippery. I'm talking about <laughs> B.C., not A.D. I'm you, uh -huh. you're you're calling one B.C. zero A.D.s. If that's so, I guess it can be both. But then, um, th then is two uh, B.C. then the first year of B.C. and then two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, that's the nine cade that preceded the decade of uh one of zero through nine A.D. that you're saying that Ian's right on? Oh, who knows about B.C.? I'm just talking about A.D. I'm sorry, dude. If you do not integrate the negative numbers with the positive numbers, you do not have a cohesive counting system. Because they're, they're basically two different counting systems yeah. that happen to overlap on one year in the middle. Right. 
Um, okay, so the first decade, uh, it, you're, you're claiming that the first decade is from the year zero, which is year one BC, to the year nine AD. Correct. Okay, nobody believes you. Guard, how do you feel about all this? Hey, hang on, Ed. Let me get Guard in here because uh, Mark and I were uh, were really at each other's throats. Uh, was it the, this weekend? I don't even remember when it was. A few days ago, uh, where I was basically saying that this is the the new decade here now, 2010, the beginning of a new decade, and he was saying, no, 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 2011 is the beginning of the new decade, and it went back for a, a few segments, and we took calls on it. And uh, so, where do you? How do you feel about all well, this? Well, uh, this is this is very interesting because. It's you can go back very far, but as far as counting goes, uh, you don't reach year one until year one has been completed. That's year one, and then you go into mm-hmm. year two, and then when you're done year two, this is based on the Gregorian calendar. When you're done year two, for this is just the way it goes. You're done the count. You've counted. That's been two years. It's listed as year three that you're starting but you've only completed two, two. years exactly huh. so so guards going, on my side mark no you're, you're not even listening dude so we have to get to 2011 <laughs> before we've completed a decade hello people that can count on our side however sorry, sorry however, i don't i don't have to make up fictitious uh people in the past or maybe but, they're real and and tell this whole long story however, as to why 10 is not 10 God. You didn't listen to the whole thing, Mark. However, however, from a pattern recognition standpoint, I absolutely do agree that the year 2000 to 2009 looks like the aughts. And I get that if something occurred in the year 2000 and you told people that that occurred in the 90s, that you would have a difficult time communicating that to people. I understand your position that people can't effing count. And I agree with If it you. happened in the year 2000, it happened in the aughts, not it, the 90s. It, it happened in the 90s. Sorry to say, anyway, guard. Let, I, we never got guard. Never got past. However, because you saying. interrupted him. Uh, no problem. No problem. Uh, I was just going to say. However, it gets a little tricky. You know, if, if you look at it over the long time frame, that's a little bit easier to start from zero. But when you're looking at decades, the new decade is interesting because technically, we are in the we're out of the aughts and into the one zeros. So t- technically, we're not yeah, out of semantic- the semantically. Right. Semantically, we're in a new decade. Yes, I would agree with that. Technically, we are not. So you both win. I'm friends with both of you. <laughs> I hate when you do this crap, Gardner. The fact is, the people that can we count know what we're talking about here. No Ed, stories made up about monks and anything like this. Let me get Ed back yeah, in here. Yeah. Ed, go ahead. Uh, and we all just get along. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like Rodney King. Anything in else fact, you want to share right. tonight, Ed? I think I've about used up my time for tonight. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you and the thoughts at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, hey, I I don't mind being in the minority. You know, it's all right. Well, you know, I unless you're not in the minority, at, dude. You're is, not you're not in the minority. Absolutely, the vast majority of the world agrees with you, Ian. You are firmly and squarely in the hoi polloi, dude. Everybody agrees with you. Now, now, how does that make you feel? Here's a question. What if BC is really before Cosby? And then we're all messed up. <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, whether you think it's a new decade or not. You can still call the show. And you can still take part in Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. 
Uh, we continue here in moments with your calls about anything. I could use a pudding pop. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give the features free, so enjoy those on us. Features including our bulletin board system. You can go and get interactive at bbs.freetalklive.com. There are over 500,000 posts for you to surf around through a number of trolls, and we love our trolls on the BBS. I know that the BBSers, uh, for some reason, think that uh, they're the the redheaded stepchild of uh, Free Talk Live. It's just that uh, we're just calling it like it is, you know. Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of trolls there. I think that that's okay. BBS, uh, the, the BBS is valuable uh, to Free Talk Live, and I would, uh, you know, I, I I advocate that people that want to be there should be there. I think also that it would be entirely unfair for our regular listeners if they didn't have some kind of warning as to what it might be like if they went to the the BBS and just uh, you know trawled off in there. Yeah. Um. You know. You know. You gotta. You gotta be prepared for some people that there's might be There's a troll a under that bridge over there. In this case, it's, <laughs> there's several in that BBS over there, and it's all right. We like having our trolls around. If we didn't, we'd get rid of them. So. Or blow up the bridge. Yeah. Uh, BBS.freetalklive.com. Critical thinking exercise. Explain the difference between government and organized crime. Be sure to include in your comparison the the disadvantages that organized crime syndicates might encounter by not having access to a 12-year propaganda system designed to convince children their activities are somehow not organized crime. School Sucks podcast is a show about the end of public education and socially acceptable forms of organized crime. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. That's SchoolSucksProject.com. Yes. All right, so we continue here at 800-259-9231. I know, Gardner, uh, you got a couple of things on your mind tonight. One of them is apparently there's some new – somebody has been nominated to uh, to take over the Transportation Security Administration. Why all of a sudden? Uh, what, is, this, uh, is this their response to the screw-up recently, or is it just coincidental that they're replacing somebody? Because this is – as far as I know, it's just – coincidental because okay. it wasn't um, the tsa really that blew it with the the underwear bomber right it was somebody in that somebody in amsterdam well there were a number of things i mean the cia uh, the fbi the, the father of this uh this uh you know underwear bomber guy had warned all these people um but and and the tsa itself wasn't in amsterdam when he climbed aboard this plane but he yeah. wasn't supposed to have been flying according to the fbi and, and cia and all these things and they, they screwed up um obviously what we look at is government in the abstract and specifically you know obviously great examples in the united states government and various state governments and local governments of infringing on people's liberties and things but this is a system that as we indicated last week doesn't work uh and it doesn't matter what governments 
are there to try to make this work, it's not going to work, and it doesn't address the consumer's interest. This TSA guy uh, who's in the news right now, uh, he's in the news because he was an FBI snoop, and he used the FBI to snoop for personal reasons. So isn't that quaint? What did he do? Uh, he was looking up information about his former wife's new boyfriend. Which you could imagine this gets done That's all, all the time. The yes. time. Yes, well, you know, and now they want him to head up the Transportation Security Administration, which, of course, will be looking into all of your little data chips and all of your well, uh, p- passport information and things the, like that. The fact that he got caught for this I find to be really a non-issue because I think that it happens a lot, mm. um, whether people look up for good reasons or bad yeah. reasons. The people that have access to these systems use them for their own purposes and i would say that they they are probably in that 90th percentile i can only imagine that i can i can hardly imagine somebody not doing it apparently if i was doing it i would be doing i'd be looking well so um i mean you know thieves think people steal so i i'm the kind of person that would use this um this kind of information the the thing about it is that he didn't he didn't tell the truth to congress he misled congress which of course i mean god knows the democrats were so concerned about privacy before that they must be pretty upset that he misled these guys that he used this for his own personal reasons. Uh, but strangely, this is an appointment by a Democrat president, so mm. they don't care. Uh, the Republicans, who didn't care when George Bush was president, now are very concerned about privacy. <laughs> it Come is on. all very laughable. Wait, wait, what, yeah. what? You mean the government can spy on us? How did that happen in this country? Insane. Darn you, Democrats, it's all your fault. Insane. Uh, they've all been working together for the longest time. And, the, and the, the idea that there's any significant difference between the two is really just something of an illusion to keep people distracted. Yeah. To keep people believing in this story, that and there is something different between the two wings of, the like the school sucks guy saying, the mafia. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And when you hear the name Errol Suthers... And he gets confirmed as the new head of TSA. You can feel so much better that your life is in great hands. Yeah, don't you worry. He's going to step right in there and he's going to rework the agency from the ground up. We're going to make sure that no terrorist is going to get through anything. And the TSA is going to be a whole new bureaucracy. Going to re- <laughs> rework things and uh, it's going to be the biggest reorganization the TSA has ever seen. Right on. That's yeah. what they always say. They always say that stuff. We're going through the biggest reorganization this government uh, agency has ever seen. And after this, it'll be a more a more, efficient more efficient government agency. <laughs> yes. Imagine, if you will, people, just imagine with me if the government worked as efficiently as the free market. Oh, I always love it. Uh, yeah, I always love it when they say they're going to get businessmen in yeah. to handle the government like yep. a business, you know. Or and somebody who is a former businessman running for a political oh, yeah. office. Oh, well, yeah. I'm a businessman. I know how to handle this. Yeah, because all of the government institutions do is somehow make businessmen inab- unable to be efficient. You know, Absolutely. you, you, you can't a- do it. You yeah. can't do it. Even if they come in, and I'm sure many of them really probably come in with the best of intentions, but then they un- then they come to the understanding that what they're dealing with is an institution. That is completely bureaucratic and has no interest in satisfying customers and doesn't have any incentive to do anything on time or on budget because, well, if they do it later and they break their budget, they'll get more money. Yeah, that's uh, how it is. If the government fails, they get more money. And so this businessman comes into a situation where if he didn't know before, he'll find out real quick that, well, pretty much what he's dealing with is uh, 180 degrees from a business. 
Yeah. There's there's not really anything government does that is right. businesslike. I know <laughs> they like calling it business. You go to the court, they'll say, uh, we're just doing business here. We're, this is our business. Yeah, they quickly learn that. See, I think the key thing with a lot of these guys is they know how to handle certain things inside their businesses and be profitable and so on. And then they apply some of their I can get along well on that side to a new paradigm, which is the government paradigm, and they learn how to get along well in the government paradigm. I mean, the governor of New Hampshire is a perfect example. It's like bringing a, a lion tamer into a ring full of <laughs> pet rocks. I mean, you, mm. I don't care what kind of lining, lion training techniques you use. They may work on pigs. They may work on uh, humans. They may work on anything that has a, you know, that functions, you know, any carbon-based uh, uh, being that, that has, you know, some kind of cognition, but it doesn't work on pet rocks. But I was a multi-billion dollar businessman. I ran multi-billion dollar businesses. Surely I can change You're this. You're going to be that much more frustrated when you find out how the government works. Yeah. Especially if you didn't work in a union business. And because sad- all of the government employees are unionized and right. uh, they are not going anywhere. If you got a bad government employee, they're not going anywhere. Here's a question I think that would reveal a lot of these guys because they're, they're frauds. Most of these guys obviously run oh, absolutely. frauds. They're all frauds. Right, because um, if you run a billion-dollar business, you already know that the government can't function like a business. Yeah, say this. Here's the deal. Would you replace your business model? Would you have the government people come work for your business now? Instead of getting in business, have business come and run your government. Would you do that? You mean government come and run your business? Yeah, I mean, have, have government come run your business. Good exactly. question. Oh, I don't government's think bad. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including our archives right there on the front page of the site. You just click and download. Of course, our podcast is available for you as well. And by the way, I think it's a, point, a, a good point in time to announce at this, uh, at this point that the Free Talk Live archives are now of a higher quality level. We decided to, with a heavy heart, to get rid of the dial-up archives. Um, well, I decided. I don't mean we. Uh, I decided to get rid of the dial-up archives because, honestly, the regular archives are getting about 100 times as many downloads as the dial-up archives were. The dial-up archives, more than 100 times. The dial-up archives were getting 15 to 25 downloads per show, whereas we get more like 2,500 plus 3,000 uh, download, downloads for the, the regular archives. So for the amount of space the dial-up uh, archives were taking up, it just wasn't really worth because we're paying right. to right. serve those. So out. you have to pay for the amount that uh, of space that you you put up there, and it doesn't matter how many times it gets served. Exactly. So we don't get, we don't pay for the amount of uh, we're not paying for the bandwidth served. Right. We pay for the amount of uh, storage storage there. So um, I, you know, when when you explained it to me at first, I'm like, what are you crazy? Because um, it seems it's very hard to download things uh, if you're a dial-up downloader. Yeah. But, um, you know, if it takes you an hour and a half to two hours to download the show, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and now it takes you six hours to download the show, is it really a difference? I I mean, you you set it when you go to sleep, and it's hopefully done when you get up. Yeah, pretty much. It was at least a two-hour process for somebody with a 28.8 modem before with the old old file size, and so now it's pretty much an overnight four, six hours, something like that. You'll you'll have the, 
have the the full show because what we also did was we took that extra space that was uh, freed up as a result of eliminating the dial-up archives. Sure, we're not saving any money on what we're storing. We're just serving now a larger, better. Um, correct. We increased the quality of the existing regular archives to uh, by 50% pretty much. Uh, so there's a better audio fidelity now for Free Talk Live, and it's it's been a long time. I'm, we've had 32 kilobit per second archives for a lot longer than I can remember, and now we've got 48. So, uh, so there you go. And for those of you that are still dial-up listeners, now you've actually got a podcast again because the dial-up podcast has been gone for a long time. Uh, it was pretty much if you were a dial-up listener, you had to go to the website to click to download the show every time you wanted it. Now you can just subscribe to the regular podcast like anybody with your podcast client. And those podcast clients, the good ones at least, I don't know about iTunes, but podcast clients you can schedule to check and download things during a, a certain period of, of time. So if you sleep during overnights, you can set it to check and download uh, during the overnights. That way when you get up in the in the morning, you've got your, your shows yeah, waiting for you. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, so new, higher quality archives available free at freetalklive.com. Now that doesn't mean that all the old archives are now all of a sudden higher quality. It's as of the end of last week, I think Thursday or Friday show or something like that. Thurs- I think it was maybe Thursday night show where I made that change and then we announced it uh, announced it over the weekend. So still free archives at freetalklive.com. As we continue here, uh, the story is from the Los Angeles Times. And how cool is it that Ron Paul... Now, while he may not be the most principled of uh, liberty-minded folk, he's pretty darn pretty close. Good. He's pretty darn close. He's as good as it's going to get for Washington, D.C. anytime soon. That's for darn sure. And uh, he's, he's like a 98% uh, liberty guy, and I, I, I like him. He's a nice, uh, congenial man who uh, is easy to talk to and apparently pretty persuasive because he's brought a lot of people on board in the last just two or three years with the liberty message because of his uh, his run for president. And usually what happens when a liberty-minded person runs for president is they run, they get a few interviews when they run, and then they drop off the map as far as the regular Americans are concerned. us Those of us who are a little more in the loop with uh, the liberty candidates might pay more attention to what happens to them. Like, for instance, uh, Michael Badnarik, I believe, may still be in the – is he still in the hospital? I know he was put in the as hospital. As I understand. The former Libertarian Party presidential candidate did go to the From hospital. 2004. Right, uh, last, last week. But with Ron Paul, it's completely different. Um, When has a liberty-minded candidate ever gotten press after the election is over? I was just thinking about that. You know, you had you had uh, what's his name, the the little tin pot dictator guy um, uh, from 1992. Oh, no idea. Are we talking about a libertarian? No, no. What's his name? Sorry, Ross Ross Perot. Perot. Ross Perot. You know, little flash in the pan guy. Got a bunch of conspiracy-minded people nuts. And yet right. you've got uh, a guy like Ron Paul, libertarian. We've never seen a libertarian carry this amount of weight for that, this long, and he's continuing, and it is really remarkable. Yeah, he's been getting in- consistently, still getting interviews on television all over the past year, and now he gets what appears to be a fairly large uh, story in the Los Angeles Times and we're going to share that with you here uh, in moments. Let's first go to the calls, unscreened, to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi, it's Dale. Hey, Dale. Calling from Marlboro. Hey, good, good, good. This, good. this will give us an excuse to talk about our co-host, Josh. Is that why you're calling tonight? That is exactly why I'm calling, yes. Thank there you. There were a few things I thought that happened at the, at the 
trial today that I thought were pretty interesting. All right. So, uh, so. For, for our listeners, uh, Josh, who is normally with us occasionally, he doesn't have a regular day that he's on, but when he gets a chance, we bring him in here, and uh, I, I enjoy having him on the show. Uh, Josh, also known as Angry Josh, he's one of your cartoon characters at AnarchyInYourHead.com, is now in a jail cell and will be there for a, a good five days uh, in another part of New Hampshire. Why don't you fill us in, Dale? Go ahead. Yeah, um, well, I, I want to encourage people first to write to him if they if they can. They can write to him, Joshua Kern, 99 North That's, Road. They're not going to be able to write that down. It's on freekeen.com right now, yeah. as I understand it. I'm sure it'll be on jailedactivist.info, too. Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully that'll be updated shortly. Um, well, I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting that um, when the when the sentence was finally done and and Josh said I I can't afford to pay for it and I'm gonna um, take the option to go to jail for the time and uh, the judge seemed really shocked by that uh, I don't think he was expecting that and then and the prosecutor seemed gleeful about it like I think he was you know he he someone I didn't hear it someone else was saying that he spoke to the officer that arrested Josh and asked him if he wanted to take him there personally. He was smiling, um, mm. like, you know, you seem to be enjoying it. Uh, and while we were sitting through another trial, there was, an, there was someone else who had also, who was also a Free State Project member who was on trial, just coincidentally, and we sat for him and we could hear, I, someone said it was Josh singing, and you could hear it from inside the courtroom. I couldn't make out the words, but... Uh, thought that was kind of an interesting way to go to jail. And so what was he uh, on trial for? Some kind of uh, – t- he uh, had a license plate on a car that it wasn't assigned to in the state's computers, and so they pulled him over it, for that? It sounded like he was in the process of uh, – it was just about to change vehicles. He was expecting to change vehicles, and he was trying to work all that out. In the meantime, what he did is he moved his license plate over to his to a vehicle he had just bought or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he thought that was okay. Like he thought, you know, it's my car. and My license what, plate. You know, it's actually my theirs. license plate, I paid for it and everything. Um, and so he, he didn't think it was wrong at the time, and uh, he had only had it for a short while. And he got pulled over for speeding. wasn't a very very much of a speed limit. Uh, different. It was like he'd gone 10 miles over or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when it came up. So he had uh, – and then there was some confusion about his, his being notified of the proper address and everything. So he was getting penalties for – you know, being you know, about not handling it fast enough or something. So, wow. um, so that's why he was so in court today. And, yeah. How much was it? $450? $250. Right. And up here in New Hampshire, what happens is if you don't pay the fine, which that's what they want, they want people to pay. And most people they do because they don't want to go to jail. But uh, Josh decided he wasn't going to cooperate at all with them. And I was definitely not going to pay them in the absence of not, uh, or in the absence of payment. They will take you and put you in a jail cell at the amount of $50 per day. So at that point, then the state and the taxpayers are then paying to keep somebody in a jail cell who otherwise would have paid. And if more people would do what Josh did, then it would really start to become a burden on their system. Yes, but the prosecutor was complaining about the cost of putting him in jail. We're going to bring it back if you want to share more. Me. Hang on, Dale. We'll, we'll bring it back in moments here at 800-259-9231. And I'll make sure that Josh's address is up on freekeen.com here in a moment. Uh, and I know that Mail to Jail is going to get his uh, address up there shortly as well, from what I understand. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. 
This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, please shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need to buy, they probably sell it in dozens of categories. You can even buy used if you want to. Uh, but if you buy brand new, you'll likely get free Super Saver shipping because there's a whole lot of items that they have that on. Uh, you order, I think it's $25 or more of uh, certain items, and you get free Super Saver shipping. It's great. Over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, enter through that link, and Free Talk Live gets a cut. We go back to Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com. He uh, took a lengthy trip across the state uh, and I guess for some people that's not very lengthy, but here in New Hampshire, when you drive across the state, that's a long trip. Uh, you drove this morning with Josh, who is one of our co-hosts on uh, here on Free Talk Live, and he went to jail because he dared to put a plate, a license plate, on a car that it was not registered to. And so they threw him in a jail cell for five days because he wouldn't pay their $250 uh, arbitrary fine they were trying to extract out of him. So now instead of uh, them extracting money from him, they're going to steal five days of his life or five days of his freedom at least. And uh, the taxpayers are going to pay, you know, 60, 80 bucks a day to, to keep him in jail. Is there more you wanted to tell us, Dale? Yeah, I think what was um, most interesting about it was what happened after the trial. I mean, aside from Josh singing loudly enough for us to all hear it, um, what, there was no doubt that they were grouping everyone. You know, that they were we had been labeled as free staters. Mm-hmm. And how many people turned out? By the way, this is kind of a little uh, it's a little town out east uh, of Manchester, right? How many people came out to this? I think it was about fifteen people. That's great. That's good. Yeah, yeah for that. You know, to go as far to go that far. Some of them were coming from like the Manchester area, and there were a fair amount that came out actually from the Keene area, uh, and 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 further out like Grafton. So okay, <clears throat> these activists but, uh, are dedicated. Just, so what happened? Yeah, go ahead. There was a little uh, sort of a heated discussion. I, I, it was actually pretty pretty um pretty organized. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't like a shouting match or anything, but it was a I would say a heated discussion happening between. Uh, Mike, Mike Barsky, and the prosecutor. You know, Mike was asking him, you know, you seem really happy about punishing this guy uh, who really hasn't harmed anyone. And he, you know, just asked him some of his, you know, some straightforward questions to get him, you know, about the process. Was any of this, and before you go on, was any of it captured on video? I don't believe so. Oh, it's a shame. There All may right. be audio. It's possible someone audio recorded it, but I'm not sure. All right, so go ahead with your recount. And, uh,. And so that kind of, you know, he asked him some poignant questions about, you know, well, and he said, well, you know, you know, about the the authority to do so in the first place. You know, why should he have to? What what obligates him to pay this fine? What obligates him to obey you? Uh, supposedly these are public roads, and he's paying taxes to use them and things like that. And and he's and and he was saying, well, his participation in the in the democratic process. And Mike said, well, I don't, I don't participate in, it. I don't vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he sort of at some point threw up his hands, and the and the bailiff and the security guy at the front door came up and said, you have to leave now. You know, you're disrupting things. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he says, I'm just having a conversation. And then I guess uh, uh, Brian continued the conversation. Brian Travis, he's a local there, uh, and he uh, continued the conversation with the guy. 
for a while, and uh, the rest of us went ahead and left. You know, and most of us were just standing around. We weren't saying anything, just watching. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we had all decided, okay, let's go out and get something to eat. Was there, you know? And I went back in just to see if Brian wanted to go. And uh, I didn't want to go through security again. I just stopped at the desk before going through the, the, the metal detector. I had not said a word at this point. All I had done is stand and watch. And, uh, and, uh, and I was just trying to wave at Brian we're, and let him know, we're going to go eat if you want to join us. And the guy and I said and I just told the guy at security, I said, I'm not coming back in. I just wanted to get you know he says, You have to leave right now. <laughs> I'm like, What? What are you talking about? He says, You're disruptive. You're disrupting You're things. Disruptive. So I'm like <laughs> I haven't done a thing. You know, he just associated he saw that I was, I guess, he just assumed that, you know, I'm friends with some of the people there mm-hmm. and by association, guilt by association, you know, I'm disrupting everything. Mm. And I hadn't said a word. I wasn't even trying to I was just watching the discussion that took place. So um, You're disrupting our business. We have business to attend to here at the court, and you guys are getting in the way, giving people ideas and making them – and I presume you guys did not stand for this particular judge, right? No. Uh, I actually had stepped out briefly to move my car, so I, I missed that part. But no, I, actually, I don't think – almost no one in the courtroom stood. <laughs> there were a few people that weren't – you know, that weren't uh, – that were there for other things, but they were outnumbered at that point. Um, they handled us at very last. In fact, they handled yeah. cases for people who had not shown up yet, uh, who had not shown up for, for at all for their cases, and they pronounced them all guilty. Of course, interesting. Um, uh, based on what was presented, you know, evidence presented by prosecution, and they weren't there to defend themselves, so they were all pronounced guilty. It's, and it's they also arbitrary. Handling. Wait, yeah. They they did you after all of that. You oh, said, I'm sorry. What was that? They said that you said they did Josh's case after everyone else's case. Yes, Josh and the other free stater who was there to mm-hmm. defend himself. Now, I think it's it's not completely clear, but I think you know there were some cases that seemed to me like they had all argued not guilty or nolo contende. But someone said that in fact there were some people who who argued their cases that were um, handled before they handled the not the no shows. You know, so. So um, they specifically left the two free staters for the very last. It's interesting. Even Be- after the no-shows. Like the, the no-shows that where they were just going through them one after the other. They did all those before they handled Yeah, the They don't want anyone cases. to see it. That's what it is. Uh, they, they, they're not interested in, in having the little people, uh, the, the rest of the serfs, see people challenge their authority to, the, to some extent. So. Yeah, I really love it. And, and Dale, when you're there, you know, you know how it is. You get these guys coming at you just because they feel an affront, because you make them feel uncomfortable in their sphere, on their big king of the hill little hill there. And uh, I don't know if you can describe to people – how it is that you can maintain your composure in that such that sort of a situation uh, because it, it is extremely important to do that to be able to hold yourself together and show these guys that you're the composed one maybe it's just in your nature maybe you have to practice this sort of thing Ian you've experienced it uh, I practice. think it's, it's it's a fascinating dynamic here in the people who are willing to not comply to some of these ridiculous rules about nonviolent breaches of the law. Oh, absolutely. I think, especially when you're in front of, when you're actually in front of the judge and trying to defend yourself, uh, maybe, you know, at least make a statement, a principled statement, even if you know you're going to lose, and try to make that in a calm and collected manner and show that you are, in fact, the peaceful one and you're just pointing out common sense. And I think it is very difficult to do because it's a very intimidating situation. You know, absolutely. I've got to, I'm going to be in court myself soon and I'm, and I've, I hopefully, Having witnessed a lot of these, I feel like I will be better prepared 
but I won't know until I'm there. I'm sure it's very intimidating, and it's really hard to keep your thoughts straight and and to, uh, you know, and, and it's just something you get better at over time. But you're right. I think it's easy to get reactive and to get, you know, angry or yeah. just are frightened or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so key, especially when you when you do have people chronicling it to show what's happening. And I think uh, it and backing more, you up. Yeah, the more video is out there, the more we show these people, and the more other people show these people uh, in in government to be uh, fraudulent, to be just big tin pot dictators over their own little little corner of the world. Well, they do it for us, you know. I mean, like Dale said, he just walked back in to wave at his friend, and they started yelling at him, get out of here. They threatened me with arrest. Yeah, I believe they did. uh, He said to me, uh, you're going to leave right now, or you're staying for good, something like that. Wow. Implying that I'd get arrested if I stayed. And and I wasn't even trying to make any trouble. I was trying to explain to the guy, I'm just trying to invite Brian, let Brian know something. And he said, no, you're leaving right now. And and, and I, I just... It's a control freak thing. He wants to control you. He wants to exert some level of authority over you to get you to obey. Just like I was watching uh, Adam uh, Miller from the Motorhome Diaries. He put up a video recently. I guess he was arrested by the police last night, or he was cited. I didn't. They didn't take him into the, the station or anything like that. But uh, essentially, he'd come home and had parked his car was out walking, a cop approached him on foot at that point and asked him, do you have a a license on you? Or do you have your your ID or your license on you? And he made the mistake of answering the cop because, well, people think they have to talk to the cops. But when they they approach you on foot, you never have any – first of all, you never have any obligation to answer any of their questions, but uh, you certainly don't have any obligation to show them a driver's license if they're just approaching you on foot. It's called a contact. The police are free to come up and talk to anybody they want to. It's called a contact, and all they – you know, they can just ask whatever questions they want, but you can just walk away. If a cop ever comes up to contact you to ask you questions, presume he's conducting an investigation that involves you, and don't answer his questions and walk away. If you, if you, I, I, I ask if I'm being detained. Yeah, well, yeah. if you if you feel like you must uh, answer the cop, always answer their questions with another question. Don't answer their questions. Just come back with another question, and that's a good one. Am I free to go? Am I being detained? Or, like I say, just ignore them and keep walking. Thank you, Dale, for the call and the uh, the update on Josh's situation. I guess he'll be in there for the, for the whole week, so we won't be hearing from him unless we can get a phone number to him. Thanks for the call. It's free talk live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. 
Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything as we launch here into the third hour of the program. You can dial in at 800-259-9231. And that, that number is brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. If you have uh, some collections that you need done for you and you want them done with respect, you need to get in touch with those guys. Jason Osborne and the crew over at Sakel CAI. They have the top banner on our website at freetalklive.com, so it's easy to find them. That's Sakel CAI. As we jump right in here, we'll take your calls about anything. I mentioned that there's a story about Ron Paul in the Los Angeles Times, which that's a pretty big deal. I mean, to, to have as a presidential candidate, a liberty-oriented presidential candidate, and Ron Paul is like 98% in favor of liberty. And I think he would have been more in favor in the in the past uh, than than he was publicly for his for his campaign. I I believe he was pandering a bit for his campaign, which I think is a shame, but you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbled. Nonetheless, Ron Paul's campaign is uh, was tremendous for bringing people to the liberty movement, uh, introducing new people to the ideas of freedom, and a number of those folks found Free Talk Live, maybe because we interviewed Ron Paul, maybe because they were just searching the internet for Things liberty-related, liberty media. Yeah, they were excited about it. And a, a number of folks from the Ron Paul campaign found the Free State Project. I can't tell you. I don't know how many people I've talked to who have made the move here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to get around other liberty-minded people who hadn't been in the movement before the Ron Paul campaign. It was the Ron Paul campaign in 2008 that brought these people, a lot of them, here to New Hampshire. That's great. So... We owe something to this guy, and uh, and the fact that he's still making news, that he's still making headlines. In this case, the headline, Ron Paul's ideas no longer fringe. Now, for a mainstream newspaper of the stature, if newspapers have much stature anymore, of uh, the Los Angeles Times to make a proclamation like that. And I haven't seen the actual paper, so I don't know where this appeared but it's a it's a fairly lengthy article. It's not tremendous. I don't know if it was a feature story, but it might have been on the front page for all I know. So uh, if, you, if you do a search on it, whatever search engine you might want to use, um, you'll find that there are a lot of people who have linked to this already, and it's it's pretty it's it's going around. This is awesome. So here's a story from the Los Angeles Times for three decades: Texas Congressman and former presidential candidate Ron Paul's extreme brand of libertarian economics consigned him to the far fringes, even among conservatives. Again, they're kind of suggesting that libertarians are somehow disaffected conservatives, and this is a common uh, theme. Or in that the media. Uh, even our ideas are fringe. I mean, if you, if, mm, I, I've yeah. seen polls where seventy percent of America believe that the gov- believes that the government is too big and that it should be cut by fifty percent. It's funny, the label libertarian seemed for a long time to be fringe yeah. in, in the eyes of many of the popular media. And yet, if you'd give anybody the uh, quiz, the political uh, quiz, uh, oftentimes they end up right smack in the libertarian category and they don't even know it. And I blame the uh, the Libertarian Party for associating the term conservative with uh, with libertarian because they've just kind of watered themselves down to the point where that's what they look like these days. It's just a kind of an alternate version of the conservative movement. But I'm not a conservative and I'm not a liberal. I'm a liberty minded person. I don't even call myself a libertarian anymore. I'm a voluntarist. But nonetheless, I understand where this misconception comes from. It's just a shame to see it continue to be propagated because no conservative worth his conservative credentials, would say, end the war on drugs. Conservatives tend to not say that stuff. They tend to be very anti, or very shove your morals down, uh, their morals down your throat kind of thing. And Ron Paul's not that kind of guy. 
So it wouldn't be accurate to label him as a conservative. Anyway, not a few times his views put him on the losing end of 431, excuse me, 434 to 1 votes on Capitol Hill, but no longer. With the economy still struggling and political divisions deepening, Paul's ideas not only are gaining a wider audience, but are also helping to shape a potentially historic battle over economic policy, a struggle that will affect everything including jobs, growth, and the nation's place in the global economy. Already, Paul's long-derided proposal to give Congress supervisory power over the traditionally independent Federal Reserve appears to be on its way to becoming law. His warnings on deficits and inflation are now Republican mantras. Well, that's not a surprise, mm, right? Yeah. Because the Republicans always, when they're not in the, uh, the, pow- the seats of power in D.C., always become liberty-oriented. All, yeah. all of a sudden, now they've found their principles again. Spending. Oh, we got to we got to curtail spending. We've got to do something about this. Look what this op- opposition party has been doing. Uh, just remember what George Bush did, and you know. Well, the reason that they do it is because liberty sells. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. The 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 the, the sort of sad thing is is um the, how people get tricked. You know, Rush Limbaugh sounds really great when uh, when he's not when the Democrat or excuse me when the Republicans aren't in power. So uh, you know it 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 sells. But when they get in power, they don't do it. And really the issue, um, you know, the Republicans got into they did the contract with America. They got into power. I voted. I voted for him. I was all in favor of it. Yay, yay, yay. And then I find out what, from 2000 to 2006 when they were completely in charge. Well, these guys are lying. And it's really not about who says what. And this is what people who are from the Republican and Democrat side need to figure out. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about the federal government being such a big, powerful plum for the kind of people that want power that they can't resist it. They get up there. The offers are made. The backs are scratched. The logs are rolled. Whatever terminology you want to use, the politicians get what they want. The lobbyists get what what they want. And you have to pay for it or you go to jail. And that's how it works. The problem is the centralization of power. And the Washington, D.C. is the most powerful place that the world has ever known. It's a scary place, too. Uh, The story continues. With this year's congressional election campaign looming, the Texas congressman's deep-seated distrust of activist government has helped fuel protests such as the Tea Party movement, harden partisan divisions in Washington, and stoke public fears about federal spending and the deficit. People are wondering what went wrong, and they're not happy with what the government is offering up, said James Grant, director or editor rather of Grant's Interest Rate Observer, offering an explanation for why seemingly wonkish arguments over interest rate policy and the money supply are spilling over onto ordinary Americans. So, well, it's because once people understand what inflation really is, and it's not what they teach you in government schools, right. not the rise in prices. Right. The rise in prices is a symptom of inflation, which is an increase in the money supply. It's not hard once you explain to folks what has happened to their money that it used to be backed with real gold and silver, but now it's not anymore. And as a result, the Fed- federal government can just print as much of it as they want. That inflates the money supply, meaning things start costing more, but they're stealing money from you at the same time. It's just awful. Uh, St. Paul and Ron Paul's great at explaining that stuff. That's so, true. Some of Paul's most extreme views are still beyond the pale for most economists, says the story, because most economists are Keynesian <laughs> economists and uh, want nothing to do with the Austrian economics uh, models of Ron Paul. And, and by the way, there's an incentive for them to be Keynesian econ- economists. What's They're, that? They get the respect of politicians 
they scratch their backs, the, their backs get scratched back and forth. If you're a Keynesian economist and you support the policies of more liquidity being pumped into the system by the central bank, of more interventionism, of more regulation, of more government programs, then the politicians who know their bread is buttered by getting those systems further inculcated into the populace will bring you in more to right. to testify in front of there's, congress there's no this. way there's no way in the world that a uh, that a austrian ec- economist the opposite of keynesian ex- economist yes. there's no way that an austrian's ever going to get in charge of the federal reserve there's no sweet sweet federal government employee <laughs> jobs for right. the uh, for the um, yeah. austrian economists only for the keynesian ec- economists yes. despite the eroding value of the dollar no one expects the us to return to the gold standard as paul advocates most economists think that could wreck the economy. <laughs> it's already wrecked. In their less drastic forms, however, Paul's ideas are being welcomed by conservatives and viewed with foreboding by liberals. For conservatives, runaway inflation constitutes the biggest potential threat to the nation's future. Liberals worry that cutting back stimulus efforts too soon could slow or even halt the current recovery. But the, they're already saying, I mean, the, the, they're, they're already coming out and saying that the, the, the stimulus was a failure. That it didn't work. Well, they need more. That's exactly it. They need more. Well, that's that's how the government works, right? Hey, it fails and it gets more. There's there's more to come here. There's just so much mis- misunderstanding by this uh, author here, Don Lee from the L.A. Times. Uh, luckily, we're here to combat that. Yes. Uh, Manchester Brewing, by the way, is beer made by introverted geeks with poor social skills and strong right arms. This show brought to you by ManchesterBrewing.com. More coming up here. You can take control of the airwaves. More about Ron Paul and your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features, by the way, include our shrine of female listeners. Dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are listeners of the program. You can go and get all the details. See the shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. He's the enemy of the state. He's the agent of the sovereign individual. He's Tad Galahad, Freedom Engineer. The Anarcho-Capitalist Adventure Series is now complete, and you can read it for free at peaceprosper.com and help Ben Woods construct Catalixia, peaceprosper.com. All right, so we continue here. Uh, we'll get back to your calls. want to make sure we finish up the story about Ron Paul. He's get, still getting press attention, even if that press attention is thoroughly confused about what Ron Paul is actually out there saying. Uh, you can't expect the newspaper journalists to actually understand uh, what the ideas of Austrian economics are, the the reason why backing money with gold and silver or some sort of value. And the is, reason why politicians are all lying. Yeah. And, and mostly. They're, they're trying to make it sound here like uh, all of a sudden conservatives are welcoming what Ron Paul is saying. But that can't be true, at least not the ones that are in search of power. Maybe the rank and file are saying that they like the ideas. I mean, who who wouldn't like the idea of uh, having money that has value behind it? They partially have to do this for their own survival because they had they their do. totem, George W. Bush. And, you know, true conservatives, they didn't like him, but they went for it. 
True conservatives didn't like John McCain, but they had no choice. Got to go with him. They had the choice of Ron Paul, but they didn't think, well, he's just – he's not going to make it. He can't do it if they had actually had some guts and said, hey, you know what? We'll go with this guy, Ron Paul, but they didn't like that. They didn't like the idea that he is uh, in favor of pulling out of the Middle East. There's that, yeah. They didn't like the idea that he has spoken out against the drug war. You can't tell conservatives to stop having wars, whether it's on uh, brown folk or on uh, d- drugs. Exactly. You can't stop that. Exactly. Right. The, the people, that, uh, the people that, that fund these wars just make too much money off right. the fighting of these wars in order for them to ever consider stopping. Right. That's why I say over and over again, and people need to get it through their minds, this is a government by the lobbyists for the lobbyists. Right. It is not a government by the people for the people. And, of course, now that the George Bush chickens have come home to roost or the pigeons have come home to roost and they're laying their squat all over the place. Exactly. So many of these conservatives are now saying, well, you know, I did speak out against George Bush and his economic policies. It's mostly on the economic front. They still would like to see the so-called war on terror continue. Uh, They still would like to see the so-called war on drugs continue. But what Ron Paul was saying when George Bush was president, which so many of the mainline Republicans stepped in lockstep into like a Senator Judd Gregg and all the other conservatives who said we've got to do the tarp and so on. They're starting to see that that was a huge mistake. And uh, thankfully, there are people like you guys who are out there who are saying, hey, look, you know, there's no difference between what Bush was doing with tarp and what uh, the uh, Obama administration. Absolutely. It was Bush's first. He was the one with the first bailout. Exactly. So we uh, will continue here this uh, sadly misinformed uh, story, but they're doing their best. The debate over that question, what is the basic thrust of U.S. economic or what the basic thrust of U.S. economic policy should be, is likely to dominate the coming elections in Washington policymaking. And so far, Paul and his fellow conservatives are on the offensive. President Obama and congressional Democrats are repeatedly pledging not to increase the deficit and begin cutting back soon. I think we're going to be in for more revival of fiscal responsibility, said William Niskanen of the Cato Institute. Uh, He sees the Texas Republicans' increasing influence as stemming from the continued economic weakness. To this extent, Ron Paul gains voice, he said. Paul would go a lot further in cutting back the government's role than even free marketers like Nixonin support. If Paul had his way, for instance, he would do away with the Fed entirely. In his best-selling book, End the Fed, he lambasted the central bank as an immoral, unconstitutional tool of tyrannical government. Now, interestingly, they don't mention in here Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, um, you know, in his battle to get rid of the federal, uh, you know, the, at that time, I think it was the second national bank, bank. Uh, but the, the equivalent of the Federal Reserve at that time. You know, why, why not? Why don't they mention how mainstream these views at one point were? Such rhetoric might once been have uh, once have been dismissed as extremism, but Paul's anti-Fed message has drawn broad support because of the central bank's failure to restrain the flood of cheap money and excessive risk-taking in the years leading up to the financial crisis. It stirred rallies on college campuses and supportive commentaries from Wall Street pundits. And that was one of the things that was so great about the Ron Paul campaign is it wasn't a bunch of conservative kids that yeah. were backing up Ron Paul. I mean, they're talking about rallies on college campuses. You don't find conservatives doing anything on college campuses. You found in, in the Ron Paul campaign, Ron Paul was the one who was touting the fact that he had liberals and conservatives. And he even dropped the term anarchists in yeah, every time he mentioned his supporters. Remember 
remember when I mean, Ron... what kind of politician acknowledges anarchists? Who was the, <laughs> when was the last time Al Gore got on a, got on a, on the Tonight Show and had John Lydon and the Sex Pistols get up there and say, "Good evening, Doctor Paul. When are we going to get out of Iraq?" Nice. And just and people are on their feet going crazy yeah. on the same show. So, uh, so his uh, support is much broader than they may be making it sound here. Nonetheless, more than 300 so-called representatives in Congress have embraced Paul's ideas for reigning in the Fed. And Paul said in an interview, as he reminisced about one evening during his 2008 White House run, when Michigan uh, University of Michigan students chanted "End the Fed" and burn dollar bills, he said the response is even more than I ever dreamed. Paul, a skinny 74-year-old with a hangdog expression, understands that historical circumstances have thrust his ideas to the fore. He says an intellectual fight is going on. Paul traces his economic views to his frugal upbringing in Pittsburgh at the tail end of the Depression. He saved pennies from delivering newspapers and helping out his father's small dairy business. At his first uh, economics class at Gettysburg College, it was an eye-opener, said Paul. When a professor explained how banks keep only a tiny part of their deposits on hand and earn money by lending out the rest, Paul discovered one of the tricks of the financial system. Beyond that, Paul's ideas are grounded in the work of economic thinkers. They're not really digging in very deep here, are they? Uh, Work of economic thinkers from an earlier era who focused on problems similar to those besetting the U.S. today. Right. I mean, absolutely. When they talk about, uh, well, what would the bankers lend out if they didn't have the deposits on hand? Uh, If they had all the deposits on hand, what would they lend out? They don't even mention fractional reserve banking. No. uh, They call it a trick. Yeah. Banks print, print money out of thin air. Well, they call it a trick, but it's not even even really a trick everybody knows that it's just well what's fascinating to me is that's to me that's the heavy-handed footprint or the heavy footprint of a of an editor right there because i have a feeling now it's possible that the author just glossed over that and pulled it out himself but to me maybe it's just my inquisitive nature you know i know the first time i i started to read about fractional reserve banking i was like oh that's interesting well that's pretty interesting oh yeah okay i see how that works oh yeah the banks lend off to other banks but Oh, hold on a second now. If the you know, then then you when you start to talk about fractional reserve, you say, well, what if everybody went to ask for their deposits? Uh-oh. Right. In particular, Paul is a disciple of Ludwig von Mises, an Austrian theorist born. At, at least they they threw a name in. <laughs> the like, now you can look up. I mean, it's an interesting name, yeah. and uh, people are liable to look that up on Wikipedia and learn a little bit. Well, at the very least, they'll be looking up Ron Paul. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll see what the rest of the uh, LA Times story is here. Also, get to your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. You can dial in toll-free. 800-259-9231. And take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Gar. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free, so enjoy those on us. 
Uh, again, freetalklive.com. Those features include our wiki. You can go and uh, you can edit virtually anything you see there, W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. If you're thinking about updating your bathroom or, or kitchen, you probably should start looking with uh, at the knobs and the pulls on the, on the drawers. I have had a great experience uh, using a company called Interknobs. They're a big supporter of the show, uh, Pete over there. And they have a special discount just for Free Talk Live listeners. Uh, it's a, an additional 11% off of everything at their already wholesale prices because that's what Interknobs is. It's a wholesale supplier to uh, many decorators out there. And uh, the, if you're going to be doing any kind of uh, knob and pull or anything like any kind of updating on a on your kitchen or bathroom, they are the place to check. You can go find the ones you like at the big box stores or wherever, but check interknobs before you buy. And they also have a closeout section, um, Ian. Uh, the 50, it's fifty to eighty percent off. And if you use code FTL, that's as FTL is in Free Talk Live, you get an additional 11% off their already ridiculously low-priced discount closeout nice. uh, knobs and pulls. I'm glad I know, you checked on that for I me. know you love a good discount. A good deal, yeah. yeah. And uh, so go over to internobs.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. I'm the kind of guy that... I just want a damn knob, so I'm going to go to that closeout section and order some stuff, you know? So it will pull great. your drawers open, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we continue here. The story's from the L.A. Times, where they're talking about Ron Paul and how he's still in the news. He is, uh, there's a headline on the article, Ron Paul's ideas no longer fringe. And that's a pretty declarative headline. Of course, in the uh, story, they start to talk about how most economists don't agree with this guy. He's a little wacky. <laughs> they're but, no longer fringe, but they really are fringe. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they're worry, trying they're to fringe. tell you. Yes. But it, it, the headline's <laughs> the most important part because, you know, yeah, most true. people aren't going to get very far into these right. things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not like there have been very many reporters out there that have been very good to Ron Paul in, in general. I mean, when he, whenever he ran, they had to use the term quixotic, which basically means crazy like don quixote, don quixote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. tilting at the windmill <laughs> right so i mean they they every time it was the quixotic ron paul or whatever right. dark horse all these other things the terminology they'd use to marginalize them and no right. no doubt here but that headline is huge so uh in particular this is they're telling a little bit about ron paul's history paul's a disciple of ludwig von mises an austrian theorist born at the end of the 19th century who contended that government intervention in an economy would fail because free markets were better at allocating resources and fueling growth and you know what he's right well it's not just ludwig von mises yeah. it's like every economist that came prior to really socialism um you know the, the little red book changed everything of course the marketplace and is the better at allocating manifesto. resources because each individual gets to make their own decisions you have a, a billion people or five billion people or how many people you're talking about all those people are making trillions upon trillions of individual decisions all of that that is what the free market is it's all of those decisions aggregating into are what we have, which we don't have a free market, but I'm talking theoretically here, and that's, versus having one group of know-it-all bureaucrats deciding for you what those uh, decisions should be. I mean, how can you believe that somebody else could run your life better than you can? That's essentially the uh, the. Pr- that's the position of those that support centralization and those that support the government making exactly. those decisions. And and that's one of the things that I was uh, fascinated by when I started to read uh, free market uh, economics texts. I, I ordered uh, uh, von Mises's work and uh, picked up Human Action, things like that. I went down to my dad's office and he had like a 1950-something copy of it annotated in his own hand for his kids with notes on the margins and things. I said, Dad, oh, you already have a copy of this. He said, oh, yeah, it just made sense. It combines 
the economic – it takes what we recognize, what I think most human beings recognize as a moral position, which is don't tell your neighbor what to do with his money. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. It takes that and it extrapolates from that the lessons of how economies grow when you leave your neighbor alone. It's, mm-hmm. It started way back with Adam Smith. He had some ideas, the physiocrats had ideas. Even Aristotle had some of these concepts in mind. He didn't fully articulate these. Sometimes he went off the on, on a different track. But Mises, man, when you get that idea of people being left alone to their own devices – and they can make better decisions than the government can, and they have that feedback loop of profit and loss, which the government doesn't have, well, of course it makes sense. Why would you want to mess with your neighbor? And uh, when you do mess with people, you're throwing it all off. Whereas if you just, like you're saying, leave them alone, they'll make the best decisions. Sure, they'll make the wrong decisions occasionally. But when an individual makes a wrong decision, it doesn't have the uh, the huge effect that it does when some government bureaucrat makes the wrong decision with billions of uh, billions of dollars. I mean, when you make when you mess up, you're the only one that has to pay for those consequences. Are people immediately connected to you? And the arrogance and conceit at the heart of these politicians and the economists who back them, people like Paul Krugman and these numbskulls out there who say, well, there has to be some some referee. There has to be <laughs> someone who levels the playing field. And all these dumb euphemisms. Yeah. When you say to yourself, is that a human being or is that an almighty creature? Well, it's a human being. And who brings that about? The people making their own decisions or a select smaller group of people who will now make decisions for more people than just themselves? Well, it'll be the smaller group that, oh, I see. So that will be more efficient than people deciding for themselves and risking only their own capital. And people have been poisoned by this idea that the bureaucrats, the central controllers, the planners are somehow better than them. This is the, yes. They're inculcated with this. And there are people that actually do believe that, well... They know more than we do. They're in the government. That's why they're in the government. Higher pay grade. You know, and this is a very destructive mentality that yeah. uh, the only thing that can replace it is, you know, getting people together and talking about freedom again, which is what we're doing here. But anyway, let's continue. So talking about v, uh, von Mises, having lived through Germany's devastating hyperinflation in the early 20s, which helped pave the way for Hitler, Mises wrote long before the Great Depression that overgenerous credit policies would encourage excessive borrowing, creating a boom and then a bust. Mises' ideas, uh, ideas became central to what's known as the Austrian School of Economics, which emphasized tight controls on credit and money supply a strategy that discouraged financial ups and downs but tended to slow growth. By 1940, when Mises arrived in America... And this is the, the big complaint about um, the sort of metal-backed currency, currency of value, is that it slows growth. But in fact, what it does is it's legitimate growth. That's yes, real growth. stated. Because um, the rest of it is illegitimate growth. You have to steal people's money and give it to some sector of the economy in order to foster this growth. And how is that slowing growth? It's, I mean, it, it's just taking money from one person, giving it to another, and that's not. Not only is it uh, is is it stifling growth in some areas, it's stealing, and yeah, it's not it's right. It's immoral. Yeah, it'd be sort of like. Oh, sorry to jump in again, no but it'd be, it'd be sort of like uh, a bunch of people uh, starting up an auction putting a product out for auction, and then flooding their own guys into the auction to bid up the price. <laughs> and then later they say, well, this is the real value of it. No, sorry. There's, there's it's a not price the real to pay value of it. Yeah. Down the line. 
And that's what's happening now. By 1940, when Mises arrived in America, most Western economists had embraced the competing theories of Britain's John Maynard Keynes, who called for government to stimulate the economy by spending on infrastructure and cutting interest rates. Obama has largely followed the Keynesian script, as President George W. Bush did when the economic crisis broke. No, no, he was doing it the whole time. Uh, Paul's once lonely espousal of the Austrian school's ideas has gotten new impetus from conservative economists and Republican political strategists. Uh, says an economics professor at the University of Georgia, a lot of good ideas were shoved aside because of the depression and the rise of the Keynesian view of the world. Paul contends that Austrian economics explains the most recent financial meltdown. He said, quote, if it's it says you if you inflate too much, if you have no restraint on monetary authorities, you're going to bring a crisis. Now, Paul says, administration policies are leading the country toward disaster. Seglin and many mainstream economists Mainstream economists agree that pumping too much money into the economy can lead to trouble, but they say Paul goes too far. In the 1930s... A little bit of stealing is... is, We have to steal a little bit. In the 1930s, say Seglin and many other economists, including Chairman uh, Fed Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke, the U.S. economy began pulling out of the Depression thanks to the federal easing of monetary policy. The economy tipped back into depression after the reins were tightened too soon. The Depression was created by the Fed. Anyway, uh, however, like Mises, whose portrait hangs on his office wall in Washington, Paul is intransigent, and that has earned him the art an ardent following. Editor of the Forecasts and Strategies, former economics professor Mark Skousen says his views are strong and hard-hearted, but you've got to stand firm or you'll get blown over in this world. Free Talk Live, only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. We'll try to sneak you in here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, please become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You can do it with any major credit card, PayPal, or some alternative options. Basically, it allows you to get behind this show and help us get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp. .freetalklive.com. And if you're of uh, college age, go to uh, libertarianinternships.com. They have internships there for journalism, production, that's video production or audio production, and uh, state policy uh, organizations and even federal policy organizations. Um, You can find out all about their internships over the summer, and they actually have some in the fall, too. They've come with stipends, so you get paid. They have a housing allowance. They have all kinds of uh, seminars and lectures in order to teach you how to do it and uh, uh, teach you about liberty. It's libertarianinternships.com, and it's uh, they're sponsored by the, the Institute for Humane Studies, libertarianinternships.com. All right, so we continue here. Uh, I want to get to the phone calls, but uh, Guard, one thing before we do that. You had a comment during the break that I thought was important to make. On the air, we've been reading this story about Ron Paul that appeared in the L.A. Times. We finished it up, but the very last comment had something to do with how you have to be hard-hearted. Oh, yeah. And well, can you comment on that? Yeah, here? I was just disappointed that uh, 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 Mark Skousen, who's a nice guy, and, and you know, some people disagree about about Mark. I know he he headed up uh, Foundation for Economic Education for a while, and. Uh, um, ended up moving out. I don't know what the terms were. I don't know if they were positive or negative, whether he was sort of pushed out. But FEE's been been terrific for a long time. Great proponents. The, the very first uh, free market think tank in the United States, if not the world. 
and um, so he he heads up uh, he does his own economic analysis, and he's a very very nice guy. His wife's a wonderful lady, and uh, he does this thing in Vegas, the Liberty. Uh, it's Fre- the Freedom Fest. Yeah, Freedom Fest every year, and he brings in a lot of different people from a lot of different positions along the ladder of libertarianism. And um, it's, it, it, I think it uh, should be said it's probably the largest libertarian gathering in the nation. It's bigger huge. than the Liberty Forum. I believe so. It's it's pretty big. It's pretty big, and uh, they you know they go all out. They just get lots of people from various. I mean, they have Steve Forbes at the same time. They have uh, Thomas Woods and uh, Tom DiLorenzo come in. They debate Austrianism versus versus uh, Friedmanism, things like that. Uh, what struck me was you know if you're being interviewed like that, and you know. That any word you say that could be painted, that could be used to paint a man in a negative light, don't speak loosely. So he made the mistake of saying, well, uh, you know, Ron Paul's ideas may may be uh, hard-hearted. His views are strong and hard-hearted. hard-hearted. But you've got to stand firm or you'll get blown over in this world. No, see, you can't – Ron Paul is – the absolute oh, excuse opposite. me, hard-headed. I'm sorry, it's not hard-hearted. It's hard-headed. Okay, hard-headed. Okay, very good, very good. Well, hard-headed right. isn't probably the word um, it, as as bad of a word as hard-hearted is. I still wouldn't use that though because it has connotations of not listening right, to like others. Like a mule. Exactly, yeah. obstinate. But and, you're right though about what you were saying because uh-huh. we did think it was hard-hearted. Is yeah. that typically uh, liberty viewpoints can be seen as being cold to people? Right. Like, right. oh, you don't want to help people, and when in it, fact, it's the only moral way to do things. Yeah. It is. It, it's going to provide more efficiency to the marketplace, which means more money for the average individual to spend. It's going to provide more choices to uh, that same individual. It's going to provide those choices at a lower price. Right. It is the most moral choice people and can get on top more of help that, you stop stealing from that individual all individuals right people yeah. get more help more efficiently quicker under a free marketplace you if you're out allowed to keep your money you get to decide how to allocate it meaning that uh, more charities will get more contributions from people rather than just the politically connected ones that happen to be buddy uh, buddy with the with the state uh, there'd be all kinds of extra money available for charitable works in the absence of the government so it's not like it's a, a hard-hearted viewpoint at all to, it, to believe in liberty it's the most humane loving caring compassionate yeah. viewpoint out there Period. And it leads to the greatest growth. I think a great example, especially if you run into kids who might feel this way, uh, because a lot of people say, what, you don't want to help others when you question government programs? You just say, well, let's look at it this way. When they started the Plymouth Plantation Colony, the the colony of Plymouth Rock, and uh, the pilgrims were there starving very early on when they went with the platonic socialist idea of, well, everybody has their the fruits of their labor gathered into one giant thing. Uh, some people would say that that policy was very kind because the people who couldn't care for themselves, they still received something. But what did it do? Everybody it was starving. starvation. Everyone is, is, was starving exactly. by the end of the second winter. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so they changed it. Right. And so it might seem counterintuitive, especially to the young, to explain to them it is not hard-hearted. As you said, we start from the principle of it is the most kind thing to do to leave your neighbor alone. If I ask for the respect to be left alone so that I can live in peace, I've got to acknowledge that principle for my neighbor. And by doing so, we actually end up causing the greatest prosperity of all. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Chris in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Chris in Florida going once. Chris in Florida going twice. Let's try instead uh, the amp line on screen caller. You're on the air. 
Well, hello, this is the Christian Anarchist. Hey, Gene, hey. what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I wanted to uh, just, uh, just jump in very quickly with uh, some more of the underwear bomber, because Mark yesterday made the point that this guy was really dedicated because he got burned so badly and all this. And I've been going over all this, and he was released from the hospital in two days. So his burns weren't all that bad. And then you go back and you read the reports, and they say they describe this thing as a small fire. The guy that helped pull it from his lap or says that he did says that he saw a, a burning object that this guy was holding between his legs, and then this passenger grabbed it and tried to put it out with his hands and then threw it away, and then the crew members helped extinguish this small fire. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, if you're going to grab something with your hands and try and put it out, I, mean, I assume just by beating on it, it's not going to be a very large thing. You're not going to be picking up something that's, you know, the size of a, a bread box and start beating on it to put it out. So obviously this was a very tiny, tiny fire. The burns weren't that bad. Yeah, I heard something like 70 grams or something like that. So it was a small amount of uh, this explosive material. But another eyewitness that I saw on, you know, from the news said that the uh, the flames leapt above the gentleman's head. And in, well, I call him a gentleman, the, the man's head, the bomber's head, and uh, then leapt up to the ceiling of the, uh, of, of the, the fuselage or the cabin or whatever that term is. Well, and I don't know, but I don't I'm either. saying that this, this, first of all, his burns couldn't have been too bad. You suggested that he really was dedicated because he burned off half of his body or something, you know. But well, I'd heard that he got third-degree burns. Well, third-degree is not that bad. you got to get into fourth-degree where the the flesh is charred, mm -hmm. and then you have... I thought third-degree was the worst. Yeah, I thought it was, but too. At, at any rate... He, if you were bad enough to go to a burn center, uh, some people die from their infections mm -hmm. if their burns are bad enough. This guy's out of the hospital in two days, so obviously the burns aren't that bad. The fire was well. Maybe small he was taken to a, a clinic. I mean, he's he's probably taken to a clinic inside the uh, um the. What's the, the point the, the of this discussion? I mean, he's still going to likely be locked up for a very long time. I mean, that took some level of courage, right, to go and. And and do something that if you don't, I mean, if you survive the process, you'll result in uh, being spending time in a cage. Are you suggesting that he didn't believe he was going to die, Gene? Um, that certainly is a possibility. Or he certainly didn't, uh, uh, wasn't given the right equipment to do the job. Because something that's only going to create a little tiny fire like that is not going to cause a lot of damage. Are you seeing so, a larger plot here by other parties involved, a conspiracy I, yes, sort of thing? Yes, I, I think that there, of course there's a conspiracy, right? I mean, somebody gave him the bomb, gave him the training, so by definition it's yes, a conspiracy. Yes, that should be, that should be more careful. That. Nobody can say there's no conspiracy here. Right, do you see the a conspiracy is, that would be working towards purposes other than the Islamic terrorist purposes? Right. The conspiracy is to get the, the uh, scanners installed and to get people to, to bend over for more uh, uh, raping by the TSA as you get on and on, get on the airplane. That's that's the conspiracy, not the conspiracy to blow the plane up. First of all, if you were going to try to blow the, bl the plane up, you would attempt to do it at altitude, not once they're starting to come down, because the, the fuselage of the plane is under much more stress at altitude than it is at lower altitude. So, so you would want to set off any damage to the fuselage at 35,000 feet, not but, at 18,000 feet. I, I get that part, but um, you know, the, the question I have to ask here is, Gene, did the guy think he was going to blow himself up or not? And if they wanted to trick him, they could have given him an active bomb that would have worked. Or he um, or I mean, it, it, it obviously got tricked because he's going to jail for the rest of his life.
hey, he probably is going to go jail for a while. He so he got tricked. Uh, Thanks, Why Gene. not trick we him with a real Thanks bomb? for the call. Jeremy on the line in Mon- or Alaska. Last uh, 10 seconds. Jeremy, go. Jeremy, well, I- Jeremy in Alaska. you got 10 seconds. Hit it now. Yeah, I've been... Uh- Talking on the Liberal Forum about you all at liberalforum.org. Cool, man. Thanks uh, for that. We're out of time. Got to go. See you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. So this is kind of a special Edgington post. Um, I, I, I've seen on some, some forums where, uh, J- Jesse, what's your, what's, what last name do you use? I don't even know. Oh, I'll, I'll just call myself Maloney for Je- now. I'll, I'll go by my legal last name. For okay. Her. Jesse Maloney, um, has, uh, had a, had a legal situation and some people were, you know, uh, talking some crap about it. And I think that, uh, in this particular instance, I'd like to ask a few more questions. I live in the same town as you, Jesse, it's here in Keene, New Hampshire. So, uh, I you know, wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of talk about it. This is a kind of a local issue. It's not really a national issue. However, um, you know, somebody might be able to learn something from it and hopefully we'll make it entertaining no matter what. Well, Anarcho Jesse, that's what he goes by. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a bit of a name as far as, uh, amongst the activist community and, and for good reason because he's got a, he's got a big mouth and he like gets out there and does stuff. <laughs> he does do stuff. And that's why, uh, people are, con- you know, there are, that's why there are controversies that surround the things he does yes. because the things that he does aren't necessarily, uh, the safe route of getting involved in politics. Uh, he's the guy who uh, who burned three flags. And the, I went right after his ass on that particular issue. You did, and I supported him. Uh, I went out there to support him. He, he burned the U.S. flag. The uh, the Was there a U.N. flag? The U.N. flag and the New Hampshire state flag. And yeah. the New Hampshire state flag. Uh, he uh, was the illegal gardener. He was arrested for tilling the soil in Keene's Central Square. Uh, also, Which, you know, I, I think that I, I, I'm kind of ambivalent on like I give him points for poetry on it because it came right after a uh, an issue where there were uh, the, the government in Keene, New Hampshire, decided to fund a co-op. And he will not just fund a co-op, but at the expense of five families homes. Right. And five and, and right at the same time, five families basically had their um, they were threatened to have their houses taken away. And I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, if if, if somebody listened to him, then. I think his message message would get through. Look, hey, we don't need a co-op. We can just till the soil right here in this uh, central square. Hell, right. we all own it, right? So, so he was arrested for that. At the that. same time, it probably did made he made some enemies of uh, of some folks here in Keene. Well, you don't do civil disobedience and not have people get upset at you. I mean, that's just part and parcel what what comes with the territory. So. And and by the way, Mark, I mean, even if you're going to do pol- uh, politics, you're going to upset people because it, there's always somebody on the other side of whatever the political position is. So anyway, you, any way you go about it, <laughs> if you're active, there's a good chance people are going to be upset at what you're doing. And so not only was Jesse arrested for those things, but uh, I guess you weren't arrested for the flag burning, which was a surprise, actually. Yeah. Oh, one cop just stood there and watched, actually, and he right. said he couldn't do anything about it. 
Uh, but then they uh, they tried to put you in jail because of the gardening situation. You did not report to the jail at the time they uh, had prescribed that you report right, there. Right, which is so. hilarious. They said, well, show up at the jail at this and time and we'll lock your ass up. But you were the first, actually, actually the first activist to do that up here. Usually, the the activists that are, even if they're doing civil disobedience or non-cooperation, even if they've, you know, they've they've gotten jail time because they're refusing to pay a fine, they usually show up and turn themselves in at the jail at the uh, the, the appropriate time. Jesse, you couldn't even get a ride out there, so you wouldn't have been able to show up had you wanted to. You told them that you couldn't get a ride. They didn't really. They didn't offer you one. Right. And funny funny thing, they don't send one of their police officers up well, there. They to eventually pick you up. gave me a ride. Right, but. eventually they <laughs> came around. He was walking down I think down the street one day and they uh, they spotted him and yep, took him to get a bagel point. for breakfast and they saw me and said, You look an awful like someone that we're after and that was that. And that was called bail jumping, because apparently that's what it's called when you don't show up to jail. Then you I guess got out at some point. Uh, Clearly, you bailed out, and there were some terms. No, that? I didn't bail out. Actually, it was a PR bond. Um, the PR, bond. the PR bond said that if I committed a, a, any sort of crime and violated a list of things that they had given me, that I would end up back in jail, and you know, then they'd set a cash bail, so on and so forth. And sometimes um, they do that, and sometimes they don't. It's very yeah. arbitrary how they do it. So this PR. Uh, this personal recogn- recognizance bond um, that you'd got, are you still out on that? Were you out on that when? No, when I'm actually I'm I'm technically out on bail now over this last incident because it was it was I, I have bills to pay and things to meet and you know. Well, he was on the PR mean, bond when they picked yeah. him up the other night for the the and whole gun is, incident. And this is what December the twenty third or fourth. Twenty third, like maybe ten o'clock in the evening, getting so, towards late evening. So you were out on that PR bond at that time. Then they revoked that. Well, they they didn't revoke it. What they did is, when you're arrested, it it just I I don't know what happens, but okay. I imagine it just goes poof and poof. you're in jail, and they give you a cash bail if they even feel like giving you one. Okay, so tell everybody what the incident was, how it went down from your point of view, and then I'll uh, I'll grill you as much as I can on questions. Sure thing. Um, uh, it was like I said, ten o'clock in the evening, maybe a bit earlier, a bit later. Uh, my roommate Ryan and I had just sat down with our friend Bruno. We were listening to some music, uh, you know, shooting the breeze, just having a good time. Yep, and doing the thing that young twenty-year-old men men do. Yeah, nothing unusual here. We uh, we 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 were having a great night, and uh, the we hear someone yelling "Help! Help!" from outside my window. I'm I'm on the second story of an apartment building, uh, or not apartment building, but a, a duplex, and uh, we all just kind of stopped and we list, looked at each other because we weren't sure if like maybe we just heard something and then we heard a few more cries for help. It was, help, help. Someone was going out of their way to cry for help. Someone was calling for help. Yes. And okay. um, and the ch- street that I live on, Church Street, uh, it's it's a college street, but it, it can also be a scummy street. There's a, People get mugged there. A guy I know is mugged for 180 bucks a few weeks ago there. It's the uh, highest crime street in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, which is a town I would say, you know, it's the worst street in a town where I wouldn't say they have very many bad streets. I wouldn't call it a bad street, period. Um, I would I would say that I'd walk down that street in a G-string made of $100 bills, and, and I'm, I'm confident in my ability to, to make it to the end. However, um, it is... It is the worst street in town. Yes. So, I mean, let's qualify that. Yeah. I mean, it's actually not even like it's only like half the street because at one end you have the people that live here full time that are keen residents that do their thing and they have very nice homes. But on the other end, towards Main Street, you have college housing, you have 
there's know, some people that are trashy right. welfare uh, housing. Oh there. yeah, there there is some very trashy welfare housing down there. But you also have the uh, fraternity of eagles. They try to keep the place clean, which is nice. <laughs> they they've got a little lodge down at the end. Sweet. Um, but uh, that. That went on. Uh, Church Street and the side streets, Guernsey, uh, Norway, they're not very well-lit streets either. I, th- I think I should point this out because uh, I we like I, I did like a small duck out the window. Like I didn't look down in the street. I just looked to see if I saw any lights any and like anything going on, like pe- somebody running from somebody or struggling. Didn't see anything from where I was. So my roommate and my friend, they rushed outside and I, thinking this is just somebody else getting hurt on Church Street, uh... I, I grabbed uh, a 22 rifle. Uh, I checked the ammunition, uh, the, and I took, took the magazine out, and I checked the chamber. There was no ammunition in it. So I was going out, w- out with a... Uh, so was the magazine in your pocket? The magazine was not even in my pocket. It was in my desk drawer. What the That's hell are you doing it. going outside with an unloaded uh, gun? Well, you know, I've got some moral qualms with hurting people and shooting people. And, you know, what, I think if it ever came down to it, sure, I, may, I, I do it if, it if that's what it really came to. But I wasn't going out there looking for, a, you know, OK Corral, you know, you know, gun standoff. I was going out there thinking somebody's being hurt. Somebody might be getting uh, mugged or robbed or beaten. Uh, any of the things that sometimes so this- happen on Church Street. So I went out there with the intent to deter and not so much hurt. Like, And not only that, but I was going out onto a dark street. Uh, at night where somebody was probably on top of somebody else. And if I were shooting into the dark at two figures and not knowing which one was being hurt, like these things didn't all pass through my mind, but I thought it's dark out and I don't know what, what's going on. So just don't bring the ammo. Okay. And, um, I, I question, I question not putting the ammo in your pocket, but it's easy to sit here, um, uh, you know, days well, and weeks later saying you should have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Uh, so, um, continue okay, with the story. Mark, I, I've been, <laughs> I've been beating myself with that stick for the past two weeks because yep. I think, man, if I hadn't run out there with that rifle, I wouldn't have gotten all the trouble I got into. Sure. But that said, I, I was, maybe, maybe I could, if I had a few moments to sit down and think, what should I do? I would have thought of that, but I, I was thinking, how long do it's right. like the, the old saying seconds. goes you have when, when, the co- when you have seconds to spare the cops are minutes away and that's that's kind of what was going through my mind i went downstairs i looked up and down church street uh and i didn't see anything again it's very it's not very well lit there's some lighting uh ambient from the housing and i went down i didn't even have shoes on i just had a hoodie and jeans i went down and i uh went to the corner that my house is on on guernsey uh guernsey and church and I saw two figures in the dark uh, along the side of my house on the sidewalk, and I, 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 had, I was holding a rifle in a manner that some who might be familiar with uh, rifles or in the military, when it, whenever you're holding a rifle in a resting position, is the, the, the barrel's pointed down, the, the, it's, it's all pointed towards the ground, but it's at a, it's at a, it's at a slant. Um, so it's just sort of pointing at the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's pointing yeah. out. It's, it's like a very lazy way of holding your rifle without being too uncomfortable or cumbersome or pointing it in a, an untowards direction that okay. you don't want to be pointed in. And um, uh, I, so I, you I weren't sweeping the street with this no, unloaded rifle. Okay. No, because I, I you, like I said, I didn't really know what I was going into. But at the very least, if I didn't need the firearm, then I didn't need the firearm. I, I like I, I wasn't going down looking again, for a gunfight or expecting to go down there all SWAT style. I was looking to stop someone from getting hurt if that's what the worst-case scenario was. I mean, chances are maybe someone got their car stuck in the snow and that's where they were yelling help, but I didn't really take my chance with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems reasonable to me if one hears help, help, help. Uh, how many times do you think you oh, heard it? So, uh, maybe 
six times. I'm six times on the street. Uh, six times. Yeah. It sounds reasonable to me to bring some kind of deterrent to out there. I mean, you know, you you didn't bring the ammo. Fine. Um, uh, you know, I, I so far none of this sounds crazy to me. Well. Um, what's crazy is what happened to him. Oh yeah, because I I looked at I, I looked at I saw these two figures standing there, and there was a car that was like it was idling on the side, and I didn't take, pay much close attention to it, because all, all I saw were these two people, and to me that was all that really should have been my focus. And I yelled, "What's going on here?" From a good thirty, forty feet away, uh, maybe tops, and it could have been twenty feet even. But uh, the point is, I was a good distance away. I couldn't see what was going on very well in the dark. And that's when uh, uh, what turned out to be a keen police officer pulled his firearm on me, pointed at me, and wow. said, drop the weapon. And I threw the my my rifle into the snow Good, good couple feet away from me, dropped to my knees, put my hands behind my head, and I said, there's been a huge misunderstanding. I thought someone was being hurt. And uh, uh, after that, I kept my mouth shut. Uh, he called for backup. Uh, several more cop cars came down. Several more police were there. Uh, they cuffed me. Uh, uh, the officer who draw the, drawn the firearm on me said, uh, get up. I said, am I being arrested? Uh, and if so, what for? He's like, well, you're in cuffs and doesn't matter. And it was like, <laughs> well, that's uh, fine. <laughs> and, and I didn't say anything, but I was compliant. Like normally, like if this were something, an activism that I were going out to do that I had planned beforehand, like I, I probably wouldn't have been compliant, but this is a situation where I, I, you know, sure. It was just a situation. I, I was trying to make trying to do the best that I could. Right. You're lucky you didn't and end up with a hole in you. So I'm, that's I'm, right. You know, uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> never mind that this cop was pointing his gun at me and my roommate in the dark. Um, but like, it was just when you're staring down a barrel or all, all you can think is, well, this is certainly not worth it. And, uh, so not worth I, it, no. I, I um, do what the man with the gun says. So, um, <laughs> you know, now this was a liberty activist that was running. I'm calling for help. You said that right? It, actually, it was a liberty. I don't believe I had okay. said that, but it was his name uh, Stone. At least that's what we call him. And he was being arrested for a traffic infraction. And Stone was saying to the cop, "Why did you follow me the entire time, only to pull me over now? As soon as I pull into my driveway, because he was in the driveway of the house, Stone." Mm. Um, uh, so Stone, I'm sure, has his own issue there, and that only, I'm sure, is going to compound this one police officer's issues. But uh, as I was in the car, he was transporting me away. I said, what is your badge number? What am I being charged with? And he didn't answer. So I kept on asking over and over and over again, and he did not answer. We got to the police station. He got out of the car. We were in the in the bay, and this one cop was just keeping his eye on me. He even opened the trunk where the firearm was, which they had confiscated, and he looked at it. And uh, I didn't have any shoes on again, so I asked him, I said, can I have your badge number and can I get something for my feet? And he, when I, I actually asked for something for my feet first, and he said, sure. And when I said, can I get your badge number, he just slammed the door on my face. Mm. And, they don't uh, like that badge number question, do they? They don't tend to like questions. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, uh, let's, uh, and then um, continue. I didn't mean uh, that. And from there... Uh, the officer who had arrested me came back out, popped in the car, and I said, what's happening? He said, you're going to Westmoreland for the night. And I said, this is insanity. Mm-hmm. I haven't even been booked. They never took my fingerprints, never took my picture. I didn't even have an ID on me. So for all intents and purposes, they had no idea who I was. They were going on a lark that I was this one uh, Corey Maloney. Uh, he called me Jesse, the officer. He said, you're Jesse. I know who you are. You're Jesse. But it's... I don't know. It just seems so all very strange how he knows I'm Jesse, but he doesn't have my fingerprints or my ID. He doesn't have anything actually to confirm who I may or may not be. It could be Jesse's brother. I could be Jesse's brother. I could be Sam Dotson for all he knows. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> I mean, I just 
Now, um, so where, well, where did the threat, the alleged threat, come in? What are the charges they're uh, they're coming at you with here? Oh, okay, the three charges they've got me with are obstructing criminal uh, administration, or rather, <laughs> obstructing government administration, which is criminal in in all of itself. But uh, they uh, that that was for coming outside with a rifle. Apparently, never mind that there were a dozen other people outside uh, yeah, watching you got what was charged. going on. I got charged. Uh, the criminal threatening came when I was just so. Uh, we were almost at Westmoreland, and I was just getting so furious with this police officer. He was not being respondent. Uh, like I just kept on asking for, what am I being charged with? Why? Uh, what is your badge number? And I just couldn't understand. Like, you know, clearly there's a misunderstanding here. I followed all of his lawful orders. I did everything that I was supposed to. Uh, and I, I like I sat back and I said out loud, I said, you know, if this were other countries and you guys were just as corrupt as you are now. There'd be riots in the street. Cars would be burning. Tires would be slashed. You'd all be holed up in your homes. I mean, look, I said, look at Greece. They shot a kid and everybody was uh, in arms for weeks. And in his report, he reported that you said you were going to slash his tires. Yeah, slash his tires, burn his house down, burn his car down, stuff like that. Um, And then uh, uh, he he, he made comment, some comment about me coming at him with a gun. Uh, He's like, well, you came at me with a gun. How would you expect me to react? And it's like. I didn't come at you with a gun, you know. I, I did everything, you know. I thought I should be doing, and it's amazing how these jackholes with guns on their hips, uh, you know, act so crazy when somebody comes around them with a gun on their hip. Oh, I mean, it's, or or carrying a gun. I mean, in this case, it was a rifle. You can't very well put that on your hip, and you were carrying it down in a rest position. Yeah. Now, uh, the third ahead. charge. I'm sorry. Well, and the third charge is simply. Uh, uh, criminal contempt. Since I was out on a PR bond already, okay. violating that is the charge of criminal contempt. And it is a violation just to be arrested. So I, th- I suspect you're going to you're going to get it. It's actually three misdemeanors that I've got on me right now. Now, um, how long were you in jail for that period of time that you were in? You know, you uh, went in the 23rd. I went in the like 23rd in the evening, and I didn't get out until the 27th, okay. like maybe 12:30 in the morning. So you were in for a few days. I was in for Christmas, yeah. And um, you, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before the <laughs> before this this all comes around. But um, you know what what I'm hearing here is it seems like the cops are saying that one a person should not come out of their house armed when someone calls for help. And then that what that means is No, you're is, supposed to call the police and sit and wait, right? Right. Well, what what it means is you know, people will complain, "Oh, if a woman's yelling rape, then nobody does anything. It's awful. People don't care about anything these days." Well, for God's sake, there's a bunch of armed guys out there that'll point a gun at you and throw you in jail yeah. if you go outside and try to do something. Look what happened when someone tried to do the right thing. Yeah, well, there was a I forget what it what it was. Maybe it was in the 60s or 70s. There's a woman who was being raped in New York City, and she was screaming, and her neighbors did nothing. I, I think that, that like, case is actually like from the 20s or something. Is, but, it, from, but is it from the 20s? That's the that's the the, the star the, the big one that everybody uses is um you know that, that woman. But I'm sure it's happened many places and many times um over and over again. Yeah, but, I just like I had I had the opportunity to do something. If if anything, maybe I wouldn't have been doing anything at all. At the very least, I was going out there to make sure that everybody was okay. Well, I, I, you know, I can't find much wrong with how this was done. I mean, I, I, my big, my big questions were: was the, uh, was the weapon loaded, and what position was the weapon, um, you know, displayed in? And, you know, at no time you pointed this weapon at this police officer. Oh no, I, I'm not even sure he knows if I pointed at him because in his little report that he files, he says that I pointed oriented the firearm in his direction. Well, pointed and oriented mean essentially the same thing. Uh, yeah. 
So it's it, it's like I I don't I don't even think it, like is it simply because I was near him with a firearm like is that because sure I might be orienting a firearm in your direction if I'm near you with a firearm like it gets so vague but yeah I I don't I th- I think he was just why not a camera why didn't you grab a camera and go out. Well, because I didn't know it was a police officer. Had I known it was a police officer, I would have grabbed the camera that Ian had given me and that I always keep charged, and it's right there on the window just in case I need to turn it on from the window. And if that had been the case, I may not have even gone outside at all. I would have just popped my head out my window with my camera and got a bird's eye view of the situation because it was, it was below my apartment practically. Wouldn't a camera scare off your average criminal that would be scared off by a gun? No. You don't think so? I can't see why. Uh, you filming somebody? Middle of the night. Evidence. Middle, no light. Yeah, middle of the night. It doesn't work that well. No light. I mean, this cop yeah. didn't even have his 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 lights flashing on his car. You know, they have to have special low light capability. Yeah. To do anything in the dark. Well, I suppose you could claim that it was low light, but at that point, you're you're carrying on a conversation with a with a masher. Uh, so I mean that. Yeah. I don't know. So what are the what are the I'm trying to come up with these people? I'm trying to come up with uh, with hard, you know, basically they're generalities that Jesse's a hothead and I, sure, and, you know, <laughs> I I don't know about you, Jesse, but I don't uh, I I don't uh, throw that uh, mantle off. I am a little hot-headed, um, and uh, well, it can it can be a bit debilitating sometimes and cripple some relationships I have. At least they can cripple like the chances of starting off on a good relationship with some people. But I I I'm not un unproud of the fact that i'm i might be a bit uh a bit of a loose cannon but i i don't i don't i have never hurt anybody so i'm i'm pretty i can say that i've never gone on my way to hurt anybody i've i've yelled sure and i've i've said some awful things maybe but i i'm i have far be it for me to actually like try and inflict harm on somebody one of the things that has been the case up here is that because of the, the I guess, the hot-headedness since this has come up, uh, some people have been pretty turned off by uh, by you. And uh, that may be one of the reasons why you're getting uh, a lot of negative response, whereas otherwise you might get more support. Um, however, when I was at the uh, the trial for you, there were a bunch of people that still you know came out to uh, to back you up. So I think that really says something about the level of forgiveness uh, that people in this community. Well, and I think it says something about shown. this case um, individually too, because I've you know I it, it, from what I've heard all along, and then you know this conversation here because I tried to to have Jesse not tell me too much because I wanted to find out about it. But um I, you know the you know from what I've heard at this point this case this case individually if it wasn't Jesse then I don't think there'd be an issue at all and I don't think there should be an issue because it's Jesse, you know? I mean, it, it sounds like he didn't do anything wrong to me. No, it's it I I fully uh, support my understanding of what the uh, the events have been. And uh, and I've always been one of the uh, the supporters of uh, of Anarcho Jesse here and th- through thick and thin. I appreciate that. Though I was pretty upset about the whole throwing freekeen.com uh, under this, the bus. This is I was, I was I was tired. I hadn't slept in like more than 24 hours, and I I just I felt like they were coming after me and arresting me simply because they associated me with freekeen. And they honest, may have. They are. I, I, I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be. Uh, I guess I don't want to be uh, like I don't want to say martyred, but like it, I I didn't sign up with Freekeen or start associating with it. So no, can, you're not even a blogger. You know, yeah, I didn't. I'm sorry. Go go on. Oh no, I was just gonna say. I, mean, I, you, I was just gonna say I don't don't want to be. You're as associated as anybody else that's on the Freekeen forum. I mean, yeah, it, I'm not looking for a prejudgment from the, uh, the 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 Keen court system because I happen to work with the guy that runs Freekeen. I mean, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'd throw three throw Freekeen right under the bus. Step on it after it was done running over it too. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I could have worded what I said much better, but I said I like I don't want anything to do with freaking. When I said that, I, j- I simply meant that like 
I, I didn't want them to be coming after me because they associated me with groups of people and even actions I'd done in the past that they'd already like supposedly gotten past. Yeah, I'm not I, sure that that's going to help, by the way, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they're probably going to make whatever decisions they make and base them on whatever they feel like basing them on. And if they feel like making you the martyr for free keen to show the rest of a uh, rest of us what they are, what they're capable of, then they're going to do that. I hope that they don't do it. But, you know, that that's what they're going to do if they feel like it. Well, anyway, I forgave you for that, and uh, we hugged, and uh, all it. is well. Yep. So, uh, and, and I think it's important to uh, for the for the the activist community to forgive when people make mistakes, and people are going to make mistakes. I know I've made a number in my life, and I will likely continue making them. Uh, so, I think it's very important for that for that uh, to happen. But at the same time, I also understand the frustrations that uh, that some people have had, and and while I might wish people can come together and and uh, and you know make up whatever has gone on in the past, uh, I I can't control what other people uh, what other people do. So what I would say the best thing to do is is to set as good of an example and in, in, into the future as you possibly can. Do whatever you can to make good, and I've seen you do that. I've seen you come up to people and say. Not necessarily about this particular event, but other things in the past. I've seen you come up to them and say, look, I'm willing to uh, – I realize I've been wrong. I realize I've done something that's, uh, that has offended you, and I, I would like to make amends if that's possible. And, and I, think that, I think that's you know, that's a pretty manly thing to do is to, to be able to come up to somebody and, and say that you were wrong. Because we know the government people certainly won't say they're wrong. I don't think most people um, – most people have a difficult time with uh, – with uh, apologies in general, and I think that uh, you know it, it's a it's a true mark of a man. All right, Mark. So anything That's else it. you want to cover here? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for the interview. Anytime, man. Thank you. Hey, Jesse. So what do you think? I mean, since we got you here uh, about how things are going here in Keene, just in general, as far as the amount of activists that we've got coming in, because I know that you were interviewed by the Motorhome Diaries a while back, and mm-hmm. you were really pushing uh, for the Keene area. Do you still feel the same way? I mean, despite I, all the uh, I do feel the same way. I think that if there's any place to get anything done, it's probably in Keene. I mean, Keene, it's a lot of, believe it or not, it's a lot of space. with very, It's it's a bustling town, but there's actually very few people here. And um, I think that gives you a, a place so you can carve out a little something, not only for your own, but it gives uh, it makes it so that way when you do something, you can actually call attention to it uh, a bit more easier than if you say we're in New York City with 8 million people and you did this fantastic activism, but... Chances are, maybe only a hundred thousand of those people may have even heard of it. Yeah, it'd be a drop in the bucket. Now, um, you, even Manchester, I mean, with four times the population, you can make a bigger difference here. You, you say um, that you you support people coming, but I, I think I I guess um, my question is, do you really support political activists coming here? Because I guess um, if if you were of more the political mindset, you wanted to say get elected as a uh, liberty oriented individual to do you know in whatever position it was you wanted, you think you have a chance and a snowball's chance in hell and getting elected in Keene, New Hampshire? I don't think there's many, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think there's many opportunities for uh, many free staters who are at least in the Keene area to get elected to any position within the surrounding region. Um, and and my, my, my view on this is simply that uh, you got a lot of people from Massachusetts and Vermont that like our transplants and they do not like what we stand for and they do not like what we do. And for that matter alone, I think, and and there's this whole progressive progressivist quote unquote bent that people are are totally hanging on to right now, and I think that's that's going to be a huge stopper. I think that the time and energy that goes into running a political campaign can be better gone into starting a mutual aid society or an underground business. Uh, I mean, it's going to cost you maybe just as much money, maybe even less money to do that, and you'd have instead of working for yourself. 
or not simply working for yourself, but just working to so you can get into a position of uh, what what you feel maybe power to actually get something done. You can work with other people to actually get something done, and I think that would, in the long run, uh, be a better place for our energies and efforts to go. Well, I would like to to make a correction. I can tell you that uh, let's see, the husband of a free stater is elected in a town adjoining um, here already for the the budget committee. Now, most of the the adjoining towns don't have really real power in their ele- elected positions. You know, most of them are servant level um, positions because, well, you know, <laughs> they 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 run this under the old New England style town meeting uh, governance. But uh, you know, right in Keene, New Hampshire, I don't think you're going to get much elected. However, um, you know, if, if well, I don't appreciate all the negativity from you, Mark, uh, but I think that. I don't think anyone should be dissuaded from coming here. Uh, I, I think I agree with Jesse that politics is the worst return on investment for your time and your money. Absolutely agree with that. But at the same time, I think that uh, bringing liberty activists here who are of the political persuasion will give the pol- uh, the politicos in town something to deal with that they really haven't heretofore had to deal with. Uh, they don't like it when Julia – they didn't like it when Julia they ran sure for, uh, for office. They didn't like it when Nick Ryder uh, ran for office recently. And did they win? No, but the, you know uh, that's not really the the whole point. The whole point is to get the ideas of freedom out into uh, the population. And the fact is, running a political campaign means you'll get newspaper interviews. You'll be able to appear on Keen No Spin. On you'll, you know you'll be able to appear on the local uh, talk shows. And that, so you think that as somebody who wants to run for office but not win should move? I think that because the there politi- are lots I of free staters getting elected in lots of positions all across New Hampshire because New Hampshire is the most freedom-oriented state a, in the nation. I don't think you're going I think to get that elected. If you want to run for a political office, that you probably shouldn't waste your freaking time in Keene, New Hampshire. There are lots right. of well, towns surrounding. Well, thanks for trying to talk people out of it, Mark. Uh, but I think that uh, you can come to you can Manad, an region, but you, you don't waste your time. To come thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. But you could win an election here if you want to do that stuff. You could win an election here with a couple hundred votes. So really, I mean, it, there are twenty-five thousand people that live in Keene, 16,000 of them are registered to vote, uh, and of those 16,000, only about 5 to 10 percent actually votes, which we know that they're mostly the bureaucrats. So if somebody could come here and uh, theoretically encourage the people that don't ever vote, come out and vote for them, they could they could win. It could be done. Uh, plus, Look, with, I think your chances you in Keene are probably better than they are in most okay, states. Okay, great. So what I want to point out here is for those political people that want to do that stuff, uh, Keen's a great opportunity because all you have to do is get a few hundred people activated and they can come out and turn out and vote for you, presuming they're counting the votes accurately, which, you know, that's a, I, I think don't know so. I mean, it's that's my a safe opinion. presumption or not. Um, but yeah, once you get in control of the Keen City Council, you can replace the city manager and then you can hire and fire whoever you want. You could put Brad Jardis on as the police chief there if you wanted to. I mean, you could opportun- hire Russell Canning as the That'd police be chief. Fantastic. So the the there opportunities. are opportunities in a city, um, what's designated as a city in New Hampshire, that there aren't in towns. Um, and so far, there haven't haven't right. been any free staters elected to, as I know, um, any city positions. And it would be interesting to see what you, happens when that happens. If you're looking happens, for a challenge, you should move to Keene. If you're looking for some easy ride, then you shouldn't be moving to Keene. I think that's pretty much the differentiating factor. If you want challenging civil disobedience and non-cooperation and people that will support you, Keene's the only place oh, for absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely. I and agree if you want when it comes to civil disobedience. And if you want a political place. challenge, Keene is the place for that, too, because <laughs> the the opposition is, is here, and they are mm-hmm. fairly strong. So, uh, this is your mentality, is to, Mark, is to run away from whatever the problems are, and go wherever the, the taxes are the lowest, and that's fine. There are a lot of people that have that mentality. I came to the 
free state to look for freedom, dude. I'm not going to look for freedom in the socialist haven of, I of New Hampshire. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> somebody has to be, you know, to do that, and that's your job. Why not build up? Why not build up uh, freedom around Keene, and then it just drag it along because it has to come. It seems <laughs> like a, it's more fun to come in here and uh, jump into the fray. Yeah, yeah. You like to you like to, to cause trouble with the with the socialists. I Agitate. Understand. That's the what The socialists have to go away. So how else are they going to go away until they finally realize that whatever they're trying to do to control all of this non-cooperation and civil disobedience is not going to go away? So eventually they're going to have to understand that they'll either come on uh, come on board with the ideas of freedom and change, or they're going to have to come to the conclusion that they're going to be outnumbered real soon, and they're going to have to get the hell out of town. So it seems to me that Keene's going to be the first free city, and uh, whoever comes here should be expecting a challenge and should not expect to win their first election, but nobody should really expect to win their first election, period. I think that you're probably right that it takes a couple of elections to get a to, to get a chance. But uh, I think and so far, no one's run twice. Nobody here has run twice. We've had two activists run for a political office here, and they both run have, you ran. Uh, have run once. That's three. No, I didn't run. Well, you got you you tried to run, and they and they, you they unregistered me from the the voters registration. So, um, besides all that, um, I think that uh, I so think anyway, that I don't appreciate you trying to talk people out of it. I don't. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of it. I'm trying to tell them what I think. What I'm trying to give them my highest truth. Yeah. Do you want people to want me to lie to our listeners? Ian? I didn't ask you to lie. I'm you just, want me? Oh, you want me to keep my mouth shut when I think wrong. I have a better when I think I have a better way of doing something? Try not to send people away from the area. That's I'm, all. Look, I, welcome to the area of the Manadnock region. If you want to run for elected office, I don't think Keene, New Hampshire, is going to be the uh, most fertile ground. However, if you are of the civil disobedient crowd, I don't think any other place in the world is the best place to come. Now, I'm a little skeptical about the whole civil disobedience thing. I don't see it to be any more or less effective than politics at this point because I think the jury's still out. However, I do like to see it all concentrated in one area. I think it's a waste of time to do some and... um, Manchester, some in Dover, and then some in Keene. I think it should all be in one geographic area because, well, it'll it'll work better, it seems to me. Well, see, this is where I, I really disagree with you, Mark, is that what you're saying is if you want to get elected, don't move to Keene. And I'm saying if you want to get elected, move to Keene, because if you move 100 people that want to do politics to Keene, you've got enough people to win an election. How many, did you, how many votes did you get? What is the point of that, Wasn't Mark? Was it nine? I was not really running a campaign. Nick Ryder was, and he was uh, he he, he, he only lost by about a hundred votes. votes. He got a couple hundred votes. He was yeah. he was in last place, but it only would have taken him a hundred votes or so to actually bump him into uh, the winning category. I didn't so get to see the finals on 200, that. If two hundred uh, voters moved to Keene, then you could win an election. So please don't tell people it's not possible because it absolutely is possible if you get the numbers and if you're of of a political mindset and you want to come here. Yeah, you can make that happen if you're active enough if i if i could just interject for a moment uh gentlemen i just would like to say well even if you do come here though and succeed in election what you've won election what could it will do then i i personally like I, I i can't i can't find myself morally being able to to back uh elections or anything like that for i think what should be obvious reasons um uh least of which that i think that elections are just glorified gang rape but um I think that focusing more on the the education of civil disobedience and the the um, how should I say uh, the, the the prosperity that can come from an underground business an agorist business should be the real focus and draw here. You can I, I think people can run should if they want to run politics so be it. I'm not going to get behind them uh, by any means of the uh, by any means. But I, I think that the the focus here shouldn't be what if can you get elected but what can you do if you get elected. 
I mean, even if you still get elected, you've got the deck stacked against you here in Keene, there in Manchester, uh, all over, not just all over the state either, everywhere, everywhere. The stack is inherently uh, decked against, deck or rather, the deck, the deck stacked. is stacked against liberty. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No problem. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think th- it might be a nice little hoorah for an uh, election cycle, but after that, everything that you've done that could be good can be undone. Well, it would seem to me that if a city council uh, person could get on there that believed in liberty, they would have the opportunity. They would have the city council's ear um, uh, on a regular basis. The, the city council would have to listen to their liberty rhetoric on a on a regular basis, and hopefully some of that would trickle down. Maybe it wouldn't, right? Maybe they'd just be a Ron well, Paul, and I don't know. Yeah, you have Mitch Greenwald, who's actually my landlord, and he's uh – going by but he's a he's a he's he's actually a nice guy and he he's got some flaws in his liberty his liberty i guess you could say but he's he's also stood up for us many times and he's and he's and he's uh he's gone out of his way to like try and defend like renters rights stuff like that um he's uh he's he's tried to keep the city of Keene off of people's backs and uh, the thing is though mitch i don't think mitch greenwell has gotten very far i mean you have pam slack up there you have uh James Duffy, you have all you have all these clowns up there who are are not interested in making sure that people are okay, but just lining their own beds with their golden feathers. Yeah, and James Duffy ran away with the election this this last. Oh yeah, he was very popular. He uh, he was number one as far as the the turnout was concerned. So he's a very charismatic man. So it's not hard to understand why. Right, and many people. (laughs) I was standing there holding a sign, standing next to James Duffy and uh, uh, you know some other gal, the Venenzia Ruth Venenzia gal, and um, this woman came up, very nice. I know. I've seen her somewhere, and she said that she was going to vote for the three of us because we were standing there. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, for one, it tells you get out there and hold signs at these uh, voting events because it works. Um, and I, I can tell you that I had a dozen people tell me that they were going to vote simply because me hold, of me holding the sign. And I wonder how many more of them voted that didn't say so. Um, so, I, you know, it tells you that. And secondly, it matters whether you're, you know, how long you've been in town. It matters how many people you know. It matters what your face looks like. All these things do matter. All right. Any other thoughts, Jesse? You want to share? No, that's that's it, really. I've, I've actually enjoyed this conversation listening to you, too. So <laughs> I think everybody who wants to come to Keene, for whatever reason, should come here. They are welcome to come. Yes. Please do. Good. It's a fine little town out in the, the southwestern uh, you know, area of New Hampshire. No, it's a corrupt little town, and it needs a lot of help. So come on out. Freekeen.com. All the towns they're coming from are corrupt, too. That's true. That is true. But this is definitely uh, – there, there's a lot of action here, and we look forward to seeing you. Yeah, Thanks, well, Jesse, for coming. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, yeah, when you come up, to, up here, watch out for an officer with badge 187 because he'll probably throw you in jail. Even is there really one with 187? I think it's – yeah, it's 187. <laughs> what, what does that mean? It's police code for murder. Is it? Is it really? Yeah. From what I understand. Well, because oh, from what Homicide. I understand, this uh, his name is Officer English, the guy that arrested me. But from what I understand, his badge number is 187. Yeah, that's very interesting. All right, so we're done. Uh, Jesse, thanks for coming in here. Thank and, you. And uh, keep up the good work. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. 
on your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.